Hello and welcome to the Big 12 Country Podcast, where four guys in jockstrap will be covering college football and providing content and HSOs from around the Big 12. Everybody, welcome back to the Big 12 Country Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Corey. Uh, we got kind of a full house back in here again tonight. We're celebrating our 112th episode. First and foremost, we would like to say thank you all uh, because uh, if you guys didn't listen, there's no way in hell we'd still be doing this. So we appreciate you guys doing that. Um, it's been 112 glorious episodes. We've enjoyed it. Um, been a lot of ups and downs and really terrible interviews and really good interviews and i think we could throw out the first 24 yeah. episodes well, probably you know the three people that listened to us back then don't uh, who knows if they're even still with us a and b they've probably forgotten about that period anyway so um a lot of headaches us feeling it figuring out audio stuff and believe me when i tell you there's a million things we could do to make this playing a lot better if we ever get the finances to do that so we'll work on that but we appreciate you hanging in there with us um a lot of things have been better than expected uh, we've definitely had a lot of blindside things we didn't expect to happen and things we had to learn. And, um, it's just, it's been a crazy, what, three seasons or two and a half seasons now, yep. roughly we're into this. So, you know, thank you guys so much for joining us with that. Um, obviously 112th, it's, you know, we cover the big 12. So that's kind of why the tie there for those trying to figure out why it's such an odd number. Uh, so that's why we did that. But, uh, with us tonight, we got Kendall. Hello. Jockstrap. Hello. And Colin. Howdy. Uh, so everybody's back in. Uh, I say everybody. Of course, Brady's still out as usual. Uh, but maybe we'll have him back. I don't know. I'd say about a month or so. Maybe it sounds like he may be trying to come back. So we'll figure that out. Um, all right, guys. Um, kind of looking back, you know, I, national. We definitely had some games. We need to talk about um, conference-wise. I, you know, it, it was a pretty interesting weekend. I guess it, there were some things. I think most things kind of went according to plan. You know what I mean? Um, Obviously, we had the big one down there in Lubbock. Uh, You know, just starting over here with you, Kendall, just nationally or or, uh, locally. Otherwise, what was your big takeaway from the weekend? Um, My big takeaway was it was a rough week for the Big 12 as far as injury-wise. There were some some key players on uh, three different teams, TCU, Texas Tech, and uh, Iowa State, that lost lost really big players, and, and they're kind of uncertain you know, going forward, exactly how bad the injuries are. So it, it was a rough week as far as injury-wise, I thought. Mm-hmm. Jockstrap? Wait, what? You got any uh, big takeaways <laughs> from the weekend? <laughs> no. Sorry to interrupt all the paperwork you're doing over there. <laughs> no. Uh, you know any big takeaways from the weekend? Colin, you? Man, uh, really the main thing that I kind of paid attention to was that West Virginia-Texas Tech game. That was, you know, West Virginia's first real big test. I, I felt like, you know, I guess Tennessee was a pretty big test, but – you know, after seeing what Texas Tech's offense could do, I felt like that was a really good test for the questions that we've had with West Virginia, which was their defense. And, you know, they, in the first half, they definitely answered a lot of those and then kind of went to crap in the second half. So I guess we're still still left with a lot of questions there. Yeah, that was um, – I think I said that too on Twitter to some of the people that were hanging out during the game. Uh, you leave that game – obviously Tech leaves that game with things they need to address, but West Virginia too um, – I would say game management is a big one. Uh, that mm-hmm. I mean, to me, overwhelmingly, I don't know, did, Kendall, if you hung in there for the second half of that game. But, well, and, and I find it funny because uh, there was a fan from West Virginia, and one of the guys that talks to us quite a bit, I can't remember which one, so I can't air out his dirty laundry. But he basically, I said something along the lines of, if this holds up, you know, it's going to be a good win or something. If this holds up, and I was like, dude, you, this is the Big 12. 
it, I can't tell you how many times I've seen this story happen, <laughs> uh, especially as an Oklahoma fan or, you know, being in close proximity to Oklahoma State. I can't tell you how many second half leads I've seen blown uh, in, in games where they had to finish and they shouldn't have had any, shouldn't even been sweating it in the second half. Um, and that's what you got in this game. One year in Lubbock where the craziest things happened to teams there, uh, especially good teams over the years. I mean, just the horror stories I could tell you from that, from that town, especially you, West Virginia fans who haven't been around as long. But, uh, you know, just crazy things happen down there, and, and, and you, you know, you do have to respect the firepower that Tech brings. Uh, and, and really, it all came about because of, you know, the quarterback going out and definitely coming in and, and really bringing them back. So um, I, I think West Virginia is going to be okay, obviously. Um, I think we saw they're, be- they're good, but they're, you know, people like to say, how good is your good? I think their good is really good. I think, you know, I think we got a chance to see that. Um is it so dominant that I think they you just go ahead and crown them the Big 12 champs? Obviously not. Uh, I don't think we're to that point with them yet. But I think it's definitely good enough. You're you're finally taking this team seriously as a threat. We mm-hmm. wanted to see that against a good team. Because I'll be honest with you, it, it only gets worse every week. Their schedule before that is just trash. And I, and I don't mean that negatively on them. It's not anything they can do about that. They play with the teams in front of them. But Tennessee is god-awful. Kansas State gets worse by the week. Um, they they lose the game to NC State that they didn't get to play because of weather. Um, forgetting the other one they played. Uh, who's the other opponent I forgot? Youngstown State. Youngstown, yes. Youngstown, I mean, they're an afterthought. We don't even go check on their schedule. So, I mean, you know, they their their schedule has been so bad up to this point. Um, Tennessee's – we knew Tennessee was bad, but that was kind of the team that you could, they could hang their name on a little bit because of the name, and it's just been bad. Um, they may end up being the worst team in the East when it's all said and done. So, you know, it just it, – it was good to see them go on and go bang with a team that's pretty good and we think is pretty good. So, um, nationally, Penn State and uh, Ohio State. Uh, any, any of you guys watch that game? Yeah, what the hell was that call? Yeah. Uh, the fourth down play was absolutely atrocious. Um, you know, we hear so many things about McSorley and he's the next Baker Mayfield. And and I think we need to address that a little bit too because Big Ten fans keep saying that. Penn State fans keep saying that. Kid's really good. Uh, and like I think I said something about it on Twitter. He does a lot of Bakerish type things. He does, but he's not Baker Mayfield. I don't know about you guys. I just don't. The efficiency's I, not there. Yeah. I, I think his, I will say this, his leadership and the way people respond to him kind of remind me of Baker Mayfield because he's got that kind of it factor where the. the the, the guys from the team seem to really rally around him and, and follow him. Mm-hmm. I, I can see that point, but as far as the way he throws the ball and stuff, I, I don't I don't see him on the same playing field yet. But you know, I, there are some similarities as far as leadership skills. I think mm-hmm. definitely, yeah, and yeah, you're right. They rally around him, and he he does kind of put the team on his back and carry him in that aspect. And so it's intangibles, so, yeah. Right. Um, he does move around like Baker did, but he still isn't the the Houdini Baker. Some of the things. Just go back and watch the highlights. Some of the things Baker got out of, I mean, were just astounding. I mean, just blew That's where he really started to draw some of those Johnny Menzel comparisons, um, even well, though I still think they're completely different quarterbacks. And McSorley does more with his legs. Like, mm-hmm. when Baker would scramble and get out of some of those crazy things, he'd follow that with throwing, like, a 50-yard bomb for a mm-hmm. touchdown, where McSorley's more likely to take off and run 35 yards for a touchdown mm-hmm. or something like that. Or get to the first down marker right. or save at least get to the line of scrimmage and save a sack or, you know, whatever. So... Well, no, I think it was an entertaining game. Um, I've heard a lot of people say, I'd be interested to get y'all's thoughts on this. Um, I've heard a lot of people say they felt, even though they lost, Penn State was the better team and is the better team. Mm, I don't know, because whenever you have someone down by, was it 14 points or so there in in the fourth quarter, 
if you're that good of a team at home with a wide out and 110,000, you should be able to put them away, in, mm-hmm. in my opinion. So, I mean, I the, those two drives that, that Ohio State had there were, were pretty impressive drives. I mean, you talk about a quarterback growing up in a tough atmosphere and two drives. That was that, that was two tough drives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can't get to that. I, I still think Ohio State's the more talented team. Um, I think I think Ohio State. I think I think Penn State's a more steady team. I think they're a little more consistent at times. I, would say, yeah. I don't think you see them go as up and down near as much. But I think I think Ohio State's ceiling is more than what Penn State's is, uh, and I think that's just clear in terms of the the athletes they have all around the place. Um, <clears throat> Ohio State's pretty good in a lot of other places. Penn State needs McSorley to be McSorley every single weekend, mm-hmm. in my opinion, uh, if that makes any sense. So uh, that was definitely interesting. Um, yeah, we saw the Clemson situation. Oh yeah. I, I really thought that th- I cannot believe Syracuse choked that game away. I really can't believe it. This was the game, you know. Clemson, in a lot of ways, has become uh, mid two thousands Oklahoma. They're dominant. They're clearly dominant. They're the best team in the league. They should do that. But every single year, they seem to find some way to choke to somebody they shouldn't. Uh, and I really thought this was the game they were going to do that. I really thought this was this was their game. This was their shot that they were. Gonna, after we saw him get hurt. Uh, the freshman, I'm forgetting his name. Once we saw him get hurt. Trevor Lawrence. Uh, Lawrence, yeah. When we saw him get hurt, and get, I thought, you know, this is it. It's over. Because this is the exact scenario every point body pointed to when Kelly Bryant left. All you have is an unexperienced freshman back there that hasn't done anything. And people are acting like he came in and saved the day. He made a few plays. But they – Syracuse pissed this away, in my opinion. I don't know. You guys – I just thought, to me, it was kind of the telltale sign of a program who has a lot of depth and a program who doesn't. Because Syracuse, there in that fourth quarter, their defense was just gassed. And so, you know, whereas Clemson had a lot more athletes, you know, to keep rotating in and stuff and stay fresh. To me, that that, that was like the big sign. I, Syracuse, I think, did everything they possibly could do to win the game, but they were just wore out that fourth quarter. That's the, the mid-2000s Oklahoma State when they'd be playing Texas. Right. You know, get up by 21 points or whatever and then just give up 40 in the fourth quarter. Vince Young breaks your neck, yeah. you know, at the end of the game. So, yeah, <clears throat> definitely. And I still think, guys, I don't know about you, is Clemson in a little bit of trouble? And even if Lawrence plays, are they, do you feel like the team's in a little bit of trouble? A little more than maybe we thought they would be a couple weeks ago. Mm, the only thing that I think saves them is just the ACC, to me, is not very strong. Mm-mm. So the rest of their schedule, to me, sets up okay for them, especially with their defense. So, I mean – I don't think Lawrence is necessarily going to have to go out and win a ball game. I think he can manage and, and keep them in games and, and just make just enough plays to win a game. He doesn't have to necessarily go out and be down by 14 and have to come back to win. I don't I don't see that happen very often. Is it them in Miami at this point in the ACC? Wasn't it them in Miami to start the season? It is, but, I mean, <laughs> Miami fell off a freaking cliff there for about a week and a half. Uh, now they've come now, back with Nkosi Perry and – I, it looks like they look kind of like the team a lot of people thought they might be now. I will say Wake Forest is not a bad football team. Mm-hmm. They, they can jump up and, and bite you if you're not paying attention. They got, but I mean, as far as Boston College makes you actually, they're a lot like yeah. our Iowa State. They make you finish games, ball control, you know, things like that. So um, that, that, it'll be interesting to watch. I, I, I definitely, I wasn't super high in the ACC. A lot of people were clear to put them. Oh, they might be second, or they're definitely close third. And I was more of their distant third. Um, you know, barely above the Big 12, I thought, and even more so now. I think I would take – I would love to see our top five or so go play their top five. I really think we'd come out winning most of those games. Um, I would give, you know, Oklahoma a good shot against Clemson. I would give West Virginia a great shot against Miami. I would give Texas a good shot against 
I don't know, NC State or whoever, you know, is next up in there, uh, you know, on and on and down. So I really think we could come away winning that thing. Uh, in the Pac-12, you still got kind of that three-horse race in the north, uh, a little bit to shake out in the south with Utah and SC. Uh, I know Dan likes uh, Arizona State, obviously, <clears throat> stuff like that. So we'll uh, we'll see what happens there. The Big Ten, we kind of covered that. The SEC, we know who's there. It's pretty much a two-horse race. And well, LSU's kind of sneaking in there. Yeah, they're doing good. I I don't know. I, the problem is they're going to have to beat Bama and get to the SEC title game. And that's going to be – but Bama, they do get Bama coming there, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, in Death Valley. So – um, that one this weekend is interesting with, with Bama and Florida. Uh, we'll get to that one uh, on Wednesday's show. We'll talk a little bit more about that. But that one, then A&M, obviously, A&M and uh, Kentucky is an interesting one this week there. So there's still some games that definitely have to be played, some things to figure out. But I, I think people will keep asking what kind of shape the Big 12 is in. I think they're in great shape right now. Um, that could change in just a few short weeks. You know, uh, Texas knocks off Oklahoma and then – you know, maybe loses a couple more games and Oklahoma sputters through the rest of the season. You know, West Virginia, maybe they do well and then lose to Oklahoma at the end and then lose in the Big 12 title game. I mean, there's there's definitely scenarios where it could really get bad for this league. But right now, I think everything looks great, guys. I think we're in great position. So, um, all right, let's 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 uh, get to our weekend that was here. Week 5, go ahead, Colin. Uh, I have one thing just to get to, just a real quick recruiting update. Not We're not going to dive into it, just kind of give you updates on the standings. Mm-hmm. So, OU's sixth in the country right now. Texas, this, this is Big 12. Just no, where this we, is uh, what? 247. Uh, 24-7. Okay. Yeah, Kansas is still below the threshold to switch <laughs> anything so else. So, yeah, so OU's sixth in the country, Texas eighth in the country. So, about the same as they were. TCU 28th. Iowa State 32, West Virginia 35, Baylor 39th, OSU 44th, Texas Tech 45th, Kansas State 95th, and that's with eight commitments, and Kansas 145th or 145 with uh, two commitments still. Well, at least Kansas is consistent at 145. <laughs> those Jesus those numbers Christ. are actually all basically in the same range as they were, so mm-hmm. not a lot of changes there. Yeah, I think OU's dropped one spot because uh, A&M or somebody's come up and knocked them down. I can't remember who it is now. What was Texas this week? Uh, eight. So yeah, that that was they got a big recruit. Uh, what was it last week? I uh, think it's they had a, another one like today, actually. Okay, I must have missed the one today. Yeah, they they had uh, one last week that was really big for them. So the safety kid, I can't think of his name, but yep. So uh, just one of the ninety-seven on. safeties that Texas has taken in the last two classes. <laughs> They're building a team of a bunch of safeties. Um, so anyway, yeah, that that definitely doing some good things recruiting still league-wide still think most of the conference is kind of recruiting over their head i think um if bill snyder sticks around to january february it's really going to kill kansas state's class uh to the nicest way possible i can put that um bd i really would love to see kansas get rid of him in terms of it would give them a chance to save face in this class and they could go jump on some of the hot coaches early and the reason I say that is because I think he's gone anyway. You know, if I, if I think there was a shot in hell, he saved his job, okay. But I think it, I think you're just delaying the inevitable, and it's hurting the program. So, And Jeff Long, make no mistake, being at Arkansas and the high level that the SEC schools recruit at every single year, I think he understands that. He has to know that. There's a chance to save some recruiting class and get some kids back if he does it quick. So, you know, maybe it just takes a really uh, – of course, I don't know. What's an embarrassing loss for Kansas at this point, guys? Nichols. Um, well, yeah, but, I mean, in in league play, 
you know, if they There's just get not. housed by Kansas State or something like that, maybe. I don't know. So I don't know if it takes a game a like that. Game. I really do. I think it'll be a great game, too. So, all right, let's get into uh, the weekend that was, uh, starting with your uh, Big 12 Players of the Week. Anybody have any guesses at those? I don't know if you guys saw them. Well, I know Jordan Brelford's Defensive Player of the Week. Kendall, you got any guesses at. No. I know the other ones, too. Um, you got <laughs> Kyler Murray was your uh, offensive player of the week, obviously. I mean, the dude had seven TDs. Uh, that's a school, tie- a school record tying seven TDs with, obviously, Baker Mayfield. Uh, in that game he had with uh, Texas Tech down in Lubbock a couple years ago against uh, now Kansas City Chief quarterback uh, Pat Mahomes. Uh, he set a school record for passing efficiency of 348. And considering we know who's been there, that's that's pretty damn impressive. I don't know if you can get – what is the highest, like 350? It has to be approaching it. Yeah, it's got to be getting – I think 350, 360, somewhere in there. It's got to be getting pretty close to the highest you could do. Uh, he racked up 600 – or they racked up 607 yards of offense. Uh, and obviously everybody knows they beat Baylor. Uh, Brelford was your defensive player of the week. Had eight tackles, which – is good from that spot. You don't necessarily see defensive ends. I mean, I don't know. You guys consider him a true – I mean, he plays there, but you consider him a true defensive end, like a traditional pass-rushing defensive end? More? Not this season. Yeah. Like, he wasn't I, a pass, but they've they've moved him all over the field this mm-hmm. year, so he's not necessarily playing just a stand-up defensive end or and, anything. And I don't know. Maybe it's the uniform. He looks like he's built more like a three technique to me than than a true defensive end. And not, not, not that he doesn't do a good job or can't play there. I don't know. I'm just not sure that's what he is in the NFL. Um, but we'll see. Uh, Brelford had eight tackles, five tackles for loss, three sacks to help lead the Cowboys to a 48-28 win over Kansas. That I think about three people saw this weekend. I was um, one of them. Yeah, I, I know. I, I didn't watch a single snap of it, and it wasn't <laughs> intended. I had thought I recorded the game because I was watching the other ones, and I apparently did not. And apparently whoever decided that that game wasn't worthy of replaying at 3 o'clock in the morning. So, uh, anyway, that's the first of Brelford in his career to get that honor. So, big things for him. He's had, he's had a great season. Quietly, I think, to some degree, too, had a great season. Uh, Jameson, the um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Special Teams Player of the Week from Texas. He returned a 90-yard punt for his first touchdown, first career touchdown that he had doing that. Uh, uh, let's see. He gave Texas the lead in the first quarter against K-State. <clears throat> uh, honestly, you can say – that pretty much won them the game. <laughs> I mean, without that, I mean, I know you could say that about a lot of things, but if they don't get that, I mean, as far as out of normal touchdown stuff, you know, out of normal plays, if they don't get that, man, they lose that game. Mm-hmm. You know, they won 19-14, so uh, that was big for them. Um, Kansas, they, they're um, uh, Puka Williams, the running back, he got, what is it, Newcomer of the Week, I guess. Uh, he had 189 all-purpose yards against Oklahoma State for his second honor of the season. The freshman caught a season-best 60 receiving yards, which I think is important for them. Uh, they definitely need to get him involved more in that when they can. Uh, he had 97 yards rushing and 32 yards via kickoff return. So, big day for him. Big day for him. Uh, co-defensive player or co-newcomer of the week. I'm sorry, co-newcomer of the week uh, from West Virginia is uh, uh, Keith Washington. Keith Washington, sorry, can't talk. Had a season-high seven tackles, five solo, three pass breakups, and an interception. That's quite a day at the office, guys. Is he the one that had the pick six? Yep, had a 50-yard, uh, 51-yard interception return touchdown. Yep. So that was a game winner, And that's too. the one that sealed it, yep, yep. against Tech. So, uh, 
uh, absolutely horrendous pass by uh, – I mean, I, I don't want to take anything away from there from Washington, but my God, that was bad. I'm pretty sure I could have done that, and I got one good leg. Uh, that was awful by Jet Duffy. Um, it, just, it was such a lazy – it was almost like he changed his mind mid-throw, guys. Because you saw him see it, and then like it was like he got the ball about right here, and then about right here, he decided, mm, there's a guy there. Maybe I shouldn't throw this. And it was just he couldn't bring it back. It was too late. It was really weird to watch. It was a super lazy throw. had nothing on it, just as bad as it gets there. So, anyway, that's your players of the week. I don't think we have any disputes with any of that stuff. So, all right, let's uh, take a look here at some of the uh, stats and information from the week. Uh, that's going on conference-wide here. Um, obviously... We have game day coming for this future week, obviously for Saturday. Uh, that was big. That was announced for OU Texas. Be the second time it's part of a Big 12 game. Obviously, Fox Sports is doing their big thing too. So, I don't know, you guys. That's that's big for the league. Anytime we kind of get that extra hype, people paying attention to the league. So, mm-hmm. <clears throat> that's good. Um, uh, number nine eight, which is number nine and number eight. West Virginia joins the Sooners as two of just fourteen, and I guess that's where they have them put down as nine and eight spots. Uh, as two of the just fourteen remaining undefeated teams on the season, UT and number twenty five and twenty one Oklahoma State have just one loss. So good things there. You have also. I'd like to mention this is not on here, but we have three teams left without a conference loss. Texas, Oklahoma, and West Virginia. So that's big for those guys. Uh, the next one says, with the balance in the Big 12, 70% of teams have a conference win after just two league outings. No other autonomy conference has a tougher road to its league title than the Big 12, where every team has to play each other. They like to throw that in there. Uh, the Big 12s, 750, three-quarter, however you want to put that, 0.750, uh, or 21-7 and seven overall non-conference win percentage, and 714. 15 and 6 win percentage against FBS competition are second nationally in both categories. So, everybody, I don't know if you didn't get that. If so, I'll post it. Uh, Oklahoma's 10 game Big 12 win streak is tied with UCF for the nation's longest active conference winning streak. Uh, 50% of the Big 12 teams are in the top 32 nationally in tackles for loss. This is the stuff I really like to get into here. With three, West Virginia, 9.8 per game. Five, Oklahoma State. Or fifth, Oklahoma State, 9.4. 20th, Oklahoma, 7.8. So, I mean, there's not a whole lot there, guys. You've got fifth, Oklahoma State, and 20th, Oklahoma, and you're talking two tackles a game. So, that's that's big. There's a lot there. We're doing good things there. Uh, 32, or 32nd in the country, Iowa State and Texas Tech. They're both tied at 7.0 per game. Uh, Except for ISU, all are higher averages than through the end of September in 2017. So, again, we point back to the defenses are playing better, doing better, doing better things. Even though some of the competition is weaker, like we talked about a couple of shows ago, we're, you're, you're still, you weren't doing this crap to those crappy teams last year. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So we're, we're doing that. That's good. Uh, Oklahoma State leads the nation in sacks at 4.8 per game, which I know if, I'm sure that makes a few people out there go, huh? So, yeah, yeah, Oklahoma State's leading the country in sacks. They're averaging almost five a game. Oklahoma ranks 19th at three a game. So, again, doing things they didn't do last year. Uh, you know, people keep talking about how's Oklahoma, in, in, in their instance, going to come up with a pass rush without Oboe. Well, they're doing a pretty good job of it so far. Uh, last season at this time, OSU ranked 67th versus their top, you know number one ranking right now, uh, averaging two. So think about that, guys. Oklahoma State was 67th in the country, averaging two sacks a game last year. Now they're number one, averaging almost five. OU was 38th last year at two and a half. Now they're averaging, uh, let's see, what is it, three. So uh, both in the top 25, so that's doing good. 
Uh, with the Big 12's quick strike offenses, 14 touchdowns were scored in drives of two minutes or less last week. Wow. That's a lot of points real quickly, guys. A lot of defenses like, good God, we got to go back on the field. Uh, four Big 12 signal callers rank in the top ten in total offense. Three, uh, third is West, WV, WVU's West Virginia at uh, 367.3. Uh, fifth is OU's Kyler Murray at 349 even. Uh, eighth is Alan Bowman, uh, which obviously not going to know how well he's going to continue there or do some of that stuff. But uh, Alan Bowman, 334.8. Uh, and 10th is Cornelius at 326.0. So, that's good. Uh, and last but not least, Kyler Murray is second nationally with 231.0 passing efficiency rating. He's uh, number two in the country. While Greer follows at third with 200.7. So, again, didn't think we were going to have a lot of great quarterback play in this league. And it's it's somehow it's reared its ugly head again. <laughs> People are out throwing the ball over the yard and doing big things. So, anyway, that's just some of that stuff. Well, I'll go ahead and post this PDF because I know – it helps if you can read this, some of the stuff with your eyes. It kind of confuses you, and I'm not the world's best at reading it or interpreting it. So I'll post that for you guys. Um, anybody curious in the conference standings? Anybody thought about that? or? No, I think it's still a bit early. I'll, I'll pay attention to it here pretty soon. I'm just curious because I, I, just a couple of them I looked at kind of, eh, okay, yeah. And then some of them was like, whoa, you guys know who's in last place? Or by their their uh, definition? say Kansas State. Iowa State, they're they're 0-2 in conference play. Oh, it's because they, uh, yeah, yeah. they yep. played Dax and, game. and they're one and three overall. So, uh, but that's deceiving to me. <clears throat> yeah, just by who they played in those three losses. Mm-hmm. Kansas is actually uh, seventh, or I'm sorry, eighth. That'd be eighth. Uh, Kansas State is Kansas State is ninth. So interesting. Uh, as great as Tech looked, and and they still do, still look, they could be good. They're just in uh, seventh. They're right above Kansas. So I mean. Definitely interesting. I don't know. I found it interesting, some of the rankings there. So, uh, anyway, all right. We'll go ahead and roll on to, real quickly, get our previews and get them knocked out now. Reviews. I'm uh, sorry, reviews, recaps. <laughs> I want to let everybody know that we have a couple big interviews coming up on the show, and we get into more depth in some of this stuff, so we may not get quite as in-depth into the review or as uh, normal. Uh, so don't you know turn off the dial and think we're ignoring you. We, we, we're going to get into that more with our guest here shortly. So, uh, real quickly, first one on the board we had was Oklahoma State, Kansas. I'm going to turn this over to you guys because I didn't see anything on this game. So I screwed up and didn't get my DVR set right. Well, uh, I'll tell you my biggest takeaway from this game was the fact that they finally gave the ball to Justice Hill. You know, yes. He had 31 rushing attempts for 189 yards. And and some of those weren't big big gains, but he broke a couple big ones. And it, it was just nice to finally see him feed him. You know, he had, I think, 46 rushing attempts coming into this game. So adding another 31 to it. Now leading the league with rushing with 577 yards, you know that that was important. And also another thing in this game, you, you finally saw Cornelius hit on a few D balls. I won't call them pretty because they weren't, but they you know they serve the purpose. At some point, you have to back those safeties up to start opening up some running lanes for your running backs, and that's what they were able to do in this game. When you say they weren't pretty, what do you do? You mean like um, oh, you just was, threw a duck, or it was wasn't on target, or it shouldn't have been thrown at all? Well, all of the above. <laughs> there, there was one that the interception he had. It wasn't a great pass. It was, it was pretty ugly, actually. The, the receiver still had a chance to make a play on it. He just mistimed the jump. So it, it was, it was pretty ugly looking on TV. Um, he hit a couple of big ones. That the best, the best one I saw all day. He hit Landon Wolf, the the uh, new slot 
receiver that you're seeing playing for the first time. Yeah, I mean, Sports Center, people were talking about that that throw. Well, and he it was a good throw. That was the first really good deep ball I've seen him throw all year. It was about 30-something yards. Yeah, I think it was like 38. But other than that, you know, he had a 60-plus yard touchdown to Tyron Johnson. It was it was short. He underthrew him, and he had to stop and come back for it. Then he had uh, Braden Johnson just streaking down the middle of the field. Nobody within 20 yards of him. He overthrew him by like five yards. Yeah, I noticed they, um, they, you know, we talked about how they were stuck on Justice Hill's going to get about 15 carries a game, and they kind of started to do that a little bit. It was nice to see he got 31 in this one. He had 17 in the first half. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, hey, if they do that, and again, I'm not taking anything away from Tech. I don't know that it would have changed the outcome, but how much different does that game probably look if they do this last week? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Because Tech didn't appear like they could stop him last week. So, no. Uh, I mean, 12 carries, I think he had 100 something yards. So, yeah, what was the average? Like nine yards to carry last? Yeah, yeah last, last week, week yeah, yeah, it was like so, 9.4 or something like that. Yeah, so um, only one touchdown on the ground, but that's not the end of the world. Um, you know, Cornelius took care of that with four on his own. So, another pick for Cornelius, though, in this game, guys, is is that just him? He's just not quite um, – he doesn't protect the ball quite as well. And, and not that Rudolph – I mean, there was – you know, Rudolph had a decent amount of interceptions in a couple of years, but never t- went crazy with it. Uh, is this – Cornelius is just going to have one of those in game? No, this th- that's the one I was telling you about, man. It was, it wasn't a great throw, but it was a throw that Wallace should have had a play on. He just mistimed his jump, and it was kind of at that point the defender was just playing center field. So, you know, Mike Gundy mentioned it in his press conference today. Yeah, you're just going to have that as part of the offense. They're going to go deep, and every once in a while, you, that just kind of comes with the territory. You're going to have a, a chance for a defender to make a play on the ball. What's he up to now? A total of like seven or eight? Probably? Uh, I don't think so. I think it's more like five. Is that what he's at? Yeah. But it seemed like I knew he had like three after like two games. Well, yeah, he like had that. two, I think, against Missouri State, maybe one against South Alabama. Mm-hmm. So, so all right. I, I think he's becoming a, becoming a little bit more efficient as far as protecting the ball. But it, it's going to come because he, to, for this offense to be successful and to be where they need to be, he has to be able to stretch the field somewhat. So they're going to keep throwing those, even if it, even if it does result in turnovers occasionally. Yeah, he's got five according to this for the season. If I'm reading this right. So, yeah, I think that's right. So yeah, he's got five on the season. So that's not too bad. It looks like he's throwing twelve touchdowns in the season. So. You know, for from the Kansas side of things, I was I was really excited to finally see Beatty kind of turn loose on the the passing side of the ball. We've mm-hmm. talked about it several times over the last couple of weeks where the the passing offense has just been very almost held back. They haven't really been throwing the ball very far down the field. They haven't really been getting Steve Sims involved in everything. And in this game, I, I think he had like 10 or 11 receptions, Steve Steve yeah, Sims. Yeah. So, yeah. So it was good to see them finally get him involved. And Puka Williams, again, just, just impressive. I mean, for the yes. most part, Oklahoma State held him in check. I think you take away his one big – uh, 60 plus yard touchdown run. He only finished with around 30 something yards rushing, but how he did it, 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 it was very impressive day from him. Yeah, and I one thing I talked about, I like to see them kind of get him out in in, in the open, throw him the ball a little bit, get him in space because he's such a talented runner. And in this game, I think what he had six catches for 60 yards. Yeah. So I mean, it, that that's one thing I think they can really lean on is getting him an open field because he he is a special athlete. Definitely. Uh, Carter Stanley, guys, um, we got to see him in this game. 24 for 32, 247 yards, three touchdowns. I mean, the, by far the best line from a uh, Kansas quarterback this year. Uh, are they making that switch? I think you have to. I know Fitz, Fitz was, like, going crazy today in our chat just with the fact that Beatty even mentioned that he had to go back and watch the tape before making a decision. But, <laughs> you know, seeing what he was able to do, I mean, I'm not going to say Oklahoma State's uh, secondary is great by any means, but – 
mean, he just put life into the offense. You know, there, there's been no passing game in this Kansas offense the entire season up until this point. It's been basically Puka Williams or bust. So it was good to have that added element to the offense. So I, I think they have to go with Carter Stanley going forward, at yeah. least until, you know, if he struggles further down the road, then maybe you go back and you try Miles Kendrick or uh, get Peyton Bitter another shot. But it has to be his show now. Kind of looked like, too, and I – you guys can help me with this because again, I get getting didn't get to watch it, so I'm not sure if Oklahoma State called the dogs off or what. But just looking at the stats, summary line, and, and scoring totally here, looked like Kansas maybe started to figure some things out throughout the end of the game. They didn't score anything first quarter. They had seven, seven in the fourteen the last three quarters. Uh, you know, was that did Oklahoma State help them and hold their hands down the field on those, or you know what took place in there? No, they, I mean Kansas earned it. They had they did have a couple of blown coverage assignments. Um, Oklahoma State played without one of their starting safeties, so you're throwing out some more youth back there like like they need any more of that. I mean, most of the, <laughs> most of the safeties are freshmen anyways, so mm-hmm. you're putting some more inexperience out there, and they definitely had some blown coverages, but they kind of marched, field down it, or marched down the field on some of these, and I'm thinking back to one where Oklahoma State had forced like a, a third and 24 or something like that after a penalty, and they do a little screen pass to Puka Williams, and he picks up like – 21 yards so it's sets up a fourth and three that they ultimately convert into a, a touchdown so okay. they they, I mean, they they earned it there in the second half and it made oklahoma state keep scoring you know oklahoma mm-hmm. state didn't have the ability to bring in any subs or anything they had to, to keep scoring to just kind of keep that gap in between them where are we at on on kansas with stanley going forward i mean uh, is this a team that suddenly could win two or three games no i don't think so i think that i think they are kind of what they are. I think two, three wins max. Maybe he keeps it interesting. I mean, you know, I, you know, seeing this line, I, I got to go back and think, man, if he plays last week, what kind of game do we have down at Waco? Yeah. I don't yeah, know. You guys even, know no, you're exactly right. Um, I'd, be, I'd be curious to see. I mean, he brings a, an element to them that they haven't had, you know, in Kansas in a long time, uh, an athletic quarterback that can throw it and everything. So, all right. Uh, that one again, 48-28. Uh, it sounded like the Cowboys won kind of evenly or easily. I mean, so uh, didn't sound like it was too. They sweat anything there. Uh, looking at the line, and everything they were up pretty comfortably. So by halftime, all right. Uh, rolling on to the next one here. <clears throat> we got West Virginia and Texas Tech. Uh, this was the game of the day uh, for us and game of the week for us. Um, man, this game. I mean, I, I hate to go to the the typical cliche tale of two halves, but that's really what it was. You had. Uh, by at halftime, guys, I, I was ready to crown West Virginia the best team in our conference. As far as, <laughs> like, I thought that's what our our rankings would reflect this week. Like, I, I thought, okay, it's over. Um, not necessarily that I think they're just clearly better than Oklahoma. I don't, but um, they, you know, looked the part. And you were starting to say, man, this this is a different West Virginia team. You know, they're 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 succeeding at a high level when they should. You know, they're answering the bell. They're doing these things. They went into Lubbock and ripped them a new one. And then the halftime rolls through. They come out, and, and, you know, I put a lot of this on coaching, but I think some of it you have to put on players too because the players have to still execute, and they didn't. It looked to me like West Virginia was out there to try to melt this game away to some degree. And I I know that sounds kind of crazy early third quarter, but that's really what it looked like. I mean, they – they did not come out just go. I mean, look, guys, they didn't score a single point in the third quarter. Mm-hmm. Not a single point. And they only scored seven points total in the last two quarters, and one of those was a pick six. So, you know, think about that. They didn't score a single offensive point in, well, in the second half on a team that looked so dominant in the first half. So, while I came away from this game thinking, you know, West Virginia is really a contender in this league, that it's clear at this point. 
it's not the dominant thing. If they're going to come out and, and put up another 28 in the second half and really slam the door shut, you know, and this game ended up being like, say, like 70 to 30 or something like that, or 60-something, which I think is possible. It looked mm-hmm. possible at the time. Uh, you know, I, and I don't think that sounds crazy to think they could have possibly put up 70 on this team. Um, you know, I and I have to hand some of it to Tech. They did do some things. They they didn't seem to get any – they they looked so overwhelmed in the first half, guys, defensively. Um, it, it didn't – they didn't – they know they were coming or going, and a lot of it had to do with – West Virginia was so good at winning the early downs. They would they would get five or six yards in that first down play, and then it was the entire playbook open, and Tech didn't know what to do. They didn't know if they were coming or going. And, you know, West Virginia hit them so many times with those run plays out of shotgun that beat them so well. They got, you know, five yards here, seven yards on the next one, three yards and then six yards, you know, just on and on and on and on. And and it just was the total domination of that first half. Uh, halftime you go in, it's 35 to 10, and you're thinking, man, this game, they're just totally dominating them. Here comes Tech all the way back after the injury. So, I don't know, you guys, where are you guys at now on, on Tech, too, because – you know, I think going into this game, coming off the Oklahoma State game, we were looking at Tech as a team that possibly could be in the mix to win this league, or you know, compete for this league. Uh, I don't know, Kendall, where are you at on them now? First, uh, Tech. Well, I mean, they're in a tough situation. I mean, you're down to your be third string quarterback from you know the beginning of the season to now. You're your third string quarterback. So I, I will say, they're kind of in a tough situation. But it just seems like one thing that Kingsbury's been able to do this year is kind of keep the team together and and just kind of move forward. Which um, you know, I I I was really impressed with Bowman all season long. I, I thought, man, this kid is going to be something special. And then you know, the Porky extent, but the uh, collapse along, you know, I mean, that's God, I mean, that's that's crazy. So they're they're kind of in a tough situation. Uh, I know they're going to have to start relying on the defense a little bit more. Hopefully, they can start making a few more plays because um, I I think they're going to need they're going to need a few turnovers and things to, to play against some of the 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 upper teams in the Big Twelve. If not, I I they're going to really struggle. That's kind of where I'm at. Colin, where are you at with Tech? I mean, are they – do you feel this team still has the firepower and what it takes to, to be a – you know, not necessarily if they're going to win the league, but could they still be in this conversation in November? It, it's going to probably depend a lot on how – what kind of play they get out of the quarterback position. I know it's easy to say that Duffy was able to kind of come into this game and, and take over and lead them back on this big comeback. But, you know, part of it, I wonder how much it is that West Virginia didn't prepare for that type of offense at all. You're – you're coming in playing on playing a guy that's going to throw the ball over the field like 60 times, and yep. then before you know it, you're facing a, a Michael Vick type quarterback that's running down your throat. So, and th- and don't get it twisted, he threw it well. Yeah, I mean, he looked good throwing the ball, but he, th- his legs breathed the added dimension. Yeah, no, you definitely. Know what? Yeah, he had 15 rushing attempts for 86 yards. They were not expecting that from the quarterback no. position. No, they so. didn't. Well, and there was because here's what it got. Here's what it really I thought did change things. We talked about how good West Virginia made it and how hard it made it on Tech because they were so unpredictable because they did so well on first down. Tech found themselves a lot, especially in the first half, in predictable situations. Third and longs having to pass the ball. Well, West Virginia bells out on those or maybe only brings one guy or whatever. They get a coverage sack or whatever the case may be. They kind of followed that game plan in the second half, and Duffy gets out around the pocket and sees there's nobody there looking at him, and he's gone. He goes and gets the first down. You know, that completely changed what they were doing in those situations. So, you know, I talked to some guys that are fans of West Virginia or know the team pretty well too, and they kind of agreed because I brought that up. I thought, man, they just – it looked like they were not prepared for Duffy at all. Um, You can somewhat put that on the coaching staff and say you at least should always kind of somewhat be prepared. Uh, but I, I, you know, I don't know how, how much time they would have spent on it in practice for a quarterback they never expected to see. <clears throat> so you know that 
Um, definitely interesting. Um, do you feel like this team is more dangerous offensively without Bowman or with Bowman? Well, he was leading the nation in yeah. passing, right? I yeah, mean, I mean, it's, it, it's, and coming off two games, pretty good. I it just, you know, with a, with actually now, I guess what I'm saying is now with a week that Duffy will actually get to go. Well, now they'll be on a bye, but the next week he'll go in and actually get to be a starter and do all those things. You know, is, how much potential does this offense have? You feel like with a quarterback like that? You know, I I personally like to see what the game plan looks like if they know that he's going to be the starter. You know, instead of you know, uh, King Kingsbury basically said that. They had no plan for him coming into right. this game. So, what's the, what does the offense look like next week if he is, as we expect, going to be named the starter for next week? Do they take some of the the quick passing out of it, or does it stay that way? Or you know, how are they going to run him? How are they handling that? So, it, it could be maybe well, it comes out to where it's equivalent. He's just as dangerous as Bowman is, just in a different way. Well, and you're also in a weird position with them running because yeah. he's your third string quarterback. Mm-hmm. So if he gets dinged up. What do you do next? There's nobody so. behind him. That's that's just. That I don't believe they have another quarterback, uh, another scholarship quarterback on the roster. If they do, I don't know about him. Uh, I've heard. I don't know this, but somebody was saying today uh, they have a receiver that's played quarterback some in high school. So that might <laughs> be not, yeah. that hey, might be where they're at. This program has had success in recruiting students from the bleachers. <laughs> yeah, that's so. true. Uh, they may end up going that route. So that is a very as a good point. I was going to bring up too that Kendall said. You know, you can't run him like you would maybe because I don't think McLean Carter is scheduled to still be ready to go. It sounds like um, he's getting closer. Like He looked like he could have played Saturday on the sidelines, but I don't know that they want him to or would like him to. Mm-hmm. Obviously not ideal. So I would expect Duffy to be the starter going into T- TCU in two weeks. Uh, those teams are both on buys. Um, and you have an, and we'll get to that here in a minute, but you have an interesting scenario there where you're going to have backup quarterbacks playing each other. So I don't know. We'll see going forward. Uh, West Virginia, um, it's <laughs> Is there anything in this game that changed you on them, either one of you? I guess starting with Colin, is there anything you saw in this game that changed you, good or bad, positive, negative, took you a place you thought maybe you didn't know with them before? No, I don't think so. I think, you know, um, we talk about this just being the the longest road trip in the Big 12, so just to come out with a win is good. And Mm -hmm. I think we saw it early with the way they came out and just dominated the first half, did kind of what? We thought they could do, and I personally expected Ted to kind of match him more in the first half. But you know, I kind of give the defensive a break just based on the fact that they had no chance to prepare for that type no. of quarterback. Mm-mm. And you know, looking at uh, Tech going forward too with their schedule, just in case you're curious, they got TCU, they got KU, they go to Iowa State, and they go then they got Oklahoma coming in there in those next few weeks. So. Um, from everything I hear, and I've heard a lot of different opinions. Some people were even some actual writers were actually leaving the door open that Bowman could be back for the TCU game. I see no way that happens with a collapsed lung. <clears throat> I'm not a doctor, but uh, as of just 12 hours ago, they were discussing whether or not he might even leave the hospital today. He may not even come out of there today. So I don't think he quite does that. Uh, he could be back for the Kansas game maybe, and then they'll be okay, but we'll see going forward with that. I've also seen some people say it could be November. Uh, before he gets back, so and I mean that's a that's a scary thing, guys. It is real scary. So you got to be careful with that. Make sure you can take the impact on that. Uh, as far as West Virginia goes going forward, their schedule. I mean, again, a lot of it is on the back end that they play, and obviously it's always pointing to that daunting game against OU at the end of the year. But um, they have Kansas this uh, in. Uh, let's see what week is that? Ten six. So this coming week they got Kansas. Uh, then they got they go to Iowa State, which will be a tricky one. 
for them. They go, they get Baylor coming up to Waco. Then they go to Austin. So in the next few weeks, and then it gets even tougher. They their last one, two, three, four. Their last four game stretch is brutal. Um, maybe not as brutal as we thought two weeks ago, but brutal. They they go to Texas, to Austin. Uh, they get TCU coming up there to Morgantown. They go to Oklahoma State and Stillwater, and then they got Oklahoma coming back up there to Morgantown. So. That's uh, they still got it all in front of them there, so they 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 can you know get kind of healthy and get things going hopefully in these next couple games here. So uh, obviously Iowa State at Iowa State being their toughest one for the next few weeks. So we'll see going forward with them. I, I they're going to have to prove that that depth and everything there is to, to, to win that last little stretch there in November. We'll see if they can pull it off. Um, all right, we're on on to the next one. We had Texas and Kansas State. And this one was nineteen to fourteen. Um, I got it recorded, have not finished it, plan to finish it because I need to study Texas more for this week, obviously. But uh, from what I did see of it, um, it kind of looked like t- Kansas, uh, Texas was lucky to get out of there with a win, guys. Uh, it definitely looks like that. Uh, I mean, no, my big takeaway from it is the fact that Texas only had one offensive touchdown against a defense that struggled at putting it at, at best. No, definitely, and I – I mean, the special teams was huge. I, I can't give – I mean, if not for that, guys, and I know you can say that in a lot of games, if not for this, if not for this, but that's not a, t- a typical thing they do. And, man, they're they're getting beat if that don't happen. Well, and another thing is we talked about last two weeks they came out and played four quarters of, of pretty solid football. You know, And at the beginning of the season they are kind of struggling. They, they'd play, like, say, the first half pretty good, and then they come out sec- second half and be flat. And they kind of did that same thing in this game. I mean, you, you're up, was it, I think you're up 19 to, was it 19 nothing? 19 Yeah, halftime. Yeah, 19 nothing at halftime. And then you come out and just kind of play flat. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, now Kansas State's back in the football game. And, you know, you can't you can't do that, especially to better teams in the Big 12. So, I they they got they got to come out better in the second half. That's one thing that just worries me going forward. The only game I can really say that I, I thought they put two halves together, and, and even then I'm questioning it a little bit was the TCU game. Mm-hmm. Every other game this year, I can point to Texas and say they had one really good half, and most of them have been slow starts. You know, they came back in Maryland at the end. Probably should have won that game, and they, and they screwed up at the end. Um, you had the game against Tulsa where they go out, I think, I think 21 to nothing. Mm-hmm. I think in that game they go out 21 to nothing. Uh, can't put up a single point in the second half against one of the bottom half teams, the you know, lower teams, third teams in the country. Tulsa isn't very good, guys. Uh, you know, did that 21 to – what was it, 21 to 17 or whatever the – I can't remember what the final score was. No, it was 28-21 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that, yeah. So, uh, you know, if Tulsa hits a few field goals, they lose that game. Uh, you go to um, – what would be the next one? Um, I'm forgetting what the next one was. But TCU game, they did well okay early. They ran the thing. TCU leads the game at halftime by like three, if I remember right. Uh, and then Texas comes out and just, you know, it took a few mistakes by TCU early in the third quarter, but eventually just slams the door shut on them, mm-hmm. puts them away. Um, and then this one here, you know, first half, come out real good, up 19 to nothing. But 19 to nothing at Kansas State is definitely not I, – I don't buy they they put on the brakes and, and tried to – no. no. Not 19 to nothing. And not in a game, in a place where you haven't won since, what, 2002? I mean, you guys remember how many times we saw these this Kansas State team upset Colt McCoy, and you know one time knocked him out of the game. If I remember right, if I remember right, he was a concussion. He left there. Uh, David Ash, you know, uh, on, I can go on and on and on. 
we looked up and said, oh, my God, Kansas State just upset Texas and, and Manhattan. It happened a lot in the last decade. So not a game where you want to fool around with any of that kind of stuff or put yourself at risk. So I'm not buying that they, you know, kind of came out and tried to ice this game. There's no way. Uh, Kansas State, they just they didn't come out fired and ready to finish. And that's when you point to Texas and say, this is still this is still why they're not back or they're not – you know, they, they have their issues. They do. But they clearly aren't a team yet that plays four quarters and puts it together. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I understand everybody has off games. Everybody does. Oklahoma against Army, a weird game. Uh, you know, Clemson against Syracuse, Syracuse off game. Uh, you know, things like that. Oklahoma, we think probably Oklahoma State against Texas Tech is the anomaly in that situation. Uh, you know, we can go on and on and on with these teams. Um, I think TCU was a little bit off against Texas. I'm not taking anything away from Texas, but that was a little bit of an off game for them. Uh, you know, on and on and on. So um, the problem with Texas is you see that every week where they don't finish most of the time. And, and so you can't say, well, that was an off game or an anomaly. So they got to figure this out because here's the thing. You've got easily, uh, without too much hyperbole, one of the five best offenses in the country probably coming in, into your stadium or going into the Cotton Bowl this week. If you get down, if you don't come out right out the gate and you throw in and your sluggish starters in the first half, you're screwed. If you do this in the second half and it's a close game and you don't come out and fight in the second half, you're screwed. Now, it's Oklahoma. We think they will, mm-hmm. you know, the, it's a different game. It's a different animal completely altogether. Weird things happen. As great as Oklahoma's offense is and as solid as Texas is playing, I could, it wouldn't shock me if this game was 7-3. to three. Right, yeah. <laughs> I mean, just the weird kind of crap that happens down there. That said, they cannot do that this week. If mm-hmm. they do that this week, they are go- they're going to risk getting embarrassed, but they're definitely risking losing. Um, so – they got to figure it out. They got to figure out how to put four quarters together. They really haven't done that truthfully yet. Uh, so we'll have to see them and see if they can pull that off going forward. Uh, Kansas State side of things, guys, I just, um, just it's more disappointment and bad. I mean, I don't know. I, I hate to say we feel bad for them. That sounds like we're partial to them, but I don't really know how else to put it. it it's kind of sad watching uh, the demise of a, you know, maybe demise is a strong word, but, you know, just watching this program kind of. I go through the motions and it just it looks it it looks like it's all headed for a really bad ending. Yeah, you know what I, I mean. I would agree there, and I think the quarterback situation. I think they 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 got to they got to go. I mean, like they got to stick with one guy. They, this bouncing back and forth is not working out. We we you all know. think it should be Thompson, right? Oh, absolutely, yeah. This so, I mean, hands down. I don't think it's. A question. I think you got to stick with him, but uh, you're right. At this point, just stick with somebody. Um, I think Delton gets you beat a lot worse. Get your butt beat really bad. But, I mean, and Skyler in this game wasn't bad when he played. I mean, 8 for 18. I mean, that's not great. But 8 for 18, 96 yards passing. Uh, Barnes, again, your, your leading rusher here, 19 carries, 80 yards, one touchdown. That's okay. That's not really getting it done. 19 carries for only 80 yards. I mean, that's, that's not great, guys. Um, I don't know. They just – they don't have – again, they don't have the playmakers. Zuber isn't a bad playmaker. I mean, he looks like he could be that guy for them. But got to get him the ball. Yeah, and he's not, and it's not consistent. I mean, this week is another different receiver that led was showing uh, five receptions, sixty-seven yards, and no touchdowns. Um, you know, I just uh, the, it's easy it's easy to say that a solid Kansas State team wins this game. Uh, a Kansas State game, a Kansas State team we've seen in recent years. Mm-hmm. You know, win, they win this game. This team never really had a chance, and Texas wasn't that great on Saturday. So, be interesting to see going forward. If obviously, I think they they let Bill leave on his own terms, but man, I don't know how much longer you can sit by and not at least start to suggest to him, "Hey, Bill, maybe it's time to go." 
you know uh, I don't know you guys you, you think that conversation ever goes on behind closed doors with them well I don't know if they have the conversation but it's definitely I think starting to creep into people's minds that probably didn't think that before the season no I mean again I'm all for you know people say well you should get to leave on his earned terms and yes and yes and no um, and I think Bill would be the first person to tell you that nobody's ever bigger than the program. Even though he is the reason why the program is where they are, and if not for him and him being there, they would never even have a chance. They would still be – who knows if they're even Division One football anymore, guys. They, I mean, it was really yeah. being discussed in the 80s whether they needed to go drop down to what used to be 1AA now, you know, uh, FCS-level ball. Um, and, and who knows if they have to go even lower than that because FCS has gotten a whole lot tougher now. Uh, than it used to be, um, you know. I, I the fact that they are where they are belongs to him, and he earned that. But at the same time, he, he's again. I, I can't put it any better than and then Brandon put it in our interview. He's holding this program hostage in a lot of ways, and I know it sounds a little dramatic, but it, it's really true. So I don't know. What do we think about them going forward? I mean, did, how many wins are left on this Kansas State schedule? It's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough. Does anybody pick them to, win, to beat Kansas straight up? I mean, do we feel like that's a definite circle of the win for them? Well, I, I voted them tenth in my power rankings. If that tells you anything. Well, okay. I mean, and I, and I don't just—I'm not announcing that. That's certainly possible. I think I put them ninth this week in mine. Um, here's what Kansas has in front of them. Kansas State has in front of them, guys. They got to go to Waco coming up. I, I think it's a loss. Fair look could be. I don't know about you guys. I think that's a loss. Uh, going to Waco and, you know, now provided everybody's healthy, we think everybody's healthy there, but, you know, they're Brewer and some other guys, we'll get into that. I mean, it took a beating in this game, but uh, provided everybody's healthy, I, I think it's a loss. You go to, uh, you got um, OSU the following weekend coming to Manhattan. I don't see any way on God's green earth they win that game. Then you got to come to Norman. Uh, you know, unless you get Oklahoma sleepwalking, that, that may be a 50 or 60 point embarrassment, guys. I mean, literally, it could very easily happen. Um, to, then you get the following week, you follow that up with a travel to Fort Worth. You're getting beat pretty bad in that game, probably. Um, let's see. Then the following week, you go to – that's the Sunflower State or Sunflower Showdown, whatever they call that thing, uh, Kansas and Kansas State, uh, on 11-10. And you at least get them coming to Manhattan. So you can maybe I – I wouldn't circle it as a win, but it, you could say possibly. Then they got – Texas Tech coming in the following weekend. That's a loss. Uh, and then you end the season going to ISU. To, I mean, the Cyclones. You're not winning that game either. So, you got one feasible win on this guy, on this thing, guys. That, that, that's, that's, they're going to finish 3-9, and nine, probably. I mean, bar, I mean, we don't know what could happen, but as it stands right now, you're looking at 3-9. and nine. I mean, that's just – that's not going to work. Even in Kansas State, that's not – they're an understanding fan base, but that ain't going to happen. That ain't going to work. You should at least be making bowl games at Kansas State. I mean, fair? Yeah, that's, that's fair. fair. So, all right. Uh, we'll go on here to uh, Baylor and Oklahoma. Next one on our schedule here. Um, this game ended up 66-33. to 33. Um, Honestly, could have been worse. Uh, oh, yeah. OU got a lot of its offense. I think they could have probably put up 70-something, 80-something if they really, truly wanted to. So, they held off a little bit. Baylor. Did some good things. Now, I was proud of Oklahoma in the first half for the most part in terms of they gave up nine points to Baylor. Obviously, Baylor hits a field goal on a fire drill. I don't know if you guys saw that. That was pretty impressive. They, they hit the fire drill. I don't know many teams. I know Oklahoma would have screwed that up. I don't know how many teams in the Big 12 could have pulled that off. 
Um, there was two seconds on the clock, and it was rolling when they finally snapped that ball and got it down. Um, it was impressive to get that. And it, and it wasn't an easy field goal. It was from the hash mark and probably, I don't know, 40-yarder maybe, something well, like that. Well, the kicker never really had a chance to get set either. He kind of did his back set thing and then went forward immediately. Yep. <laughs> it yep. wasn't take your time to kind of zone in or anything. It was, all right, time to kick. Yep. And, and like I said, I, a lot of teams in Big 12 have screwed that up. Uh, I think I firmly believe Oklahoma would have screwed it up. Um, so, you know, the only touchdown they had, and the reason it was nine is because they missed the PAT. They had a touchdown in the first quarter. Honestly, it was only because Oklahoma helped them down the field with penalties on that drive. They had they had like three or four penalties, and that was part of – people probably saw my rant in Raven during the first three or four hours of the day because of the officiating from the Big 12. My God, we didn't get to that. My God, it was bad. I don't know how bad it was in the OSU-Kansas game, but the OU-Baylor game, the Texas Tech-West Virginia game, it was absolutely horrendous. I mean, so many critical – that's another thing we didn't get into much there. There were some situations that helped West Virginia and also some that helped Texas Tech, but takes her out some of these horrendous calls. That first half probably looks a little bit different than it did. Um, just some absolutely god-awful phantom calls. I mean, a false start. I still haven't seen anybody move on um, in, in this game, too. Same thing. Just some, some really questionable calls. It wasn't as bad in this one, but there were some definitely some weird ones. Uh, but they, OU helps them down the field They via penalty. Uh, Baylor gets a touchdown early in the first quarter. It's 14 to six going in the second quarter, and then it was pretty much over. Um, Baylor gets up to I I felt 23 was about where you could cut it off. When they got 23 points and started getting into early fourth quarter, you started seeing Oklahoma bringing a lot of the backups. So if you want to kind of know what Baylor did against OU starters, they put up about 23 points mm-hmm. somewhere in that ballpark. You maybe could say 26 if you wanted to count some of them or running in and out. But uh, so that's you know because I know that was the question after Army. How's Oklahoma's defense? I thought they did great against – honestly, great. Great's probably not a little too facetious, but um, they did pretty good. They, I, I gave them about a B in this game. Could have been a lot – They could there's some plays they could have made that could have absolutely – for instance, pick six should have happened. Trey Brown dropped one. That would have kept Baylor from putting up another touchdown and uh, would have put OU way over the top uh, even more. So – um, there's a couple of sacks they missed they should have had. Um, I can't remember who. I think it was um, – oh, I'm forgetting his name, our outside linebacker. I completely went blank on him. But anyway, uh, he uh, he should have had a sack, and, and he missed it. Uh, so, I mean, there was there were some plays they left in the field, but overall everybody wanted to know how are they going to do in this game after seeing what we saw against Army. I, they did really well. I was really proud of them. I, I said personally if they hold them under 30, I would be happy with it. Uh, and, and like I said, starters-wise, they almost held them under 20. Yeah, well, this to me this was this classic of they were just way outmanned. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, Baylor's still not up to they're still they're still paying the penalty, you know, from the recruiting classes and stuff after Art Miles. They're they're still trying to play catch up game here with this. So, I mean, they, they were just outmanned. You know, their defensive depth is not very good, and and when you have an offense like that and you don't have very good depth, it it, it can turn ugly real fast. And, that, and that's that's exactly what happened. And so, I mean, I they're they're just they're just in a really bad shape right now. It's going to take it. You're still going to have to wait a couple more years to see everything kind of come into full effect. I, I, they're just outmanned, you know, especially against someone like Oklahoma. Well, and we talked about in previous games how bad Baylor's defense was. It really showed in this game, and and I think too we talked about somewhat about how they just some of the they just look like guys. They're not very athletic out there, and a lot of the you really saw it in this game mm-hmm. that there were times guys where Marquise Brown or Hollywood Brown looked like just the 
like like Usain Bolt of football. I mean, it, it was scary how much faster he was than some of these players right. on this field. You don't, and he is. He's one of the fastest guys in college football. And I'll go ahead and say it. There's a good chance he probably runs the fastest time at the combine this year coming up in the NFL. If not, uh, at least of known players, God knows there'll probably be somebody from you know Screw <laughs> You University that runs like a four one or whatever. <laughs> but you know, from known players, top prospects wide receivers he will run the fastest time at the combine i have no doubt in my mind um and still even that said i mean that one play guys where he caught the ball out on the on the edge made the one guy miss it literally looked like there were people standing still watching him as he was running by them i mean it was that bad it he just you could tell they were just so out out athleted in this game um, this is the slowest Baylor team because that's one thing we always talk about Baylor their speed in in recent years and that's just they've been good even a couple of years after, since they kind of went downhill, they still show their team speed and how good it looked. And they do have weapons. Jamichael Hasty, I mean, he embarrassed some players a couple times from OU. Uh, you know, made some really good cuts and things. Um, uh, the uh, Herd kid, uh, mm-hmm. by the way, they have something there on short yardage with that kid. Yeah. He's, he's almost unstoppable. He's really good. Yeah. I he agree. takes, he gets the ball, takes a jump cut to whatever hole he wants, and, and then just it. hits it like a ton of bricks. I mean, it. I and if the they kid. get it blocked at all, you're screwed. Yeah. yeah, and he's so tall, he's going to stretch the ball across the goal line. Um, it, it's going to be real hard for teams going forward to stop Baylor in short yardage with him back there. Um, and, again, I know, like I said, we asked that question when we did the preview. I just – there was no way I was buying. They were going to try to use him a little bit at running back with his history there, and he did it, and he does it well. Um, he looks like he never missed a beat. Um, obviously, I don't think they're ever going to give him 30 carries in a game or nothing. But no. I-, I could see them running that five to seven times a game and being really successful with it. Anytime they get inside the five uh, on the goal line, I think they're going to try to use it too. So that's something that was a bright spot for him. Brewer had another great day. Um, you-, you look at it and say, man, they gave it 400 yards, and that sounds bad, but it really it didn't matter. A lot- I mean, it was 400, 400 yards, but it was 400 yards that didn't matter. Um, a lot of it and- – and the-, the one frustration I had with OU in this game – and a lot of it comes from Mike. I'm not going to again. We're not going to get on fire the Mike bus, but OU literally saw everything they needed to see with shutting down Cade. Or sorry, I keep calling him Cade because I know a Cade Brewer for some reason. Charlie <laughs> char- shutting down Charlie in the first half with pressure, getting after him. He was overwhelmed, didn't know what to do. Um, you know, it really fired and it really screwed with their run game. And they got him off schedule. Got him on just completely everything you need to see. Right? Comes out in the third half, third quarter in the second half, and holds their hand. Walks them down the field for – and not thinking they from Baylor. They did good in, that, in those drives. They, they put together, had a good game plan. But there were situations early before the drive took off, you know, because the Big 12 offenses, a lot of times it's momentum. You get that mm-hmm. first first down and then you go, you know. There were times on both those where OU makes a little play here with pressure and they end that, and, and Baylor never gets anywhere with it. Instead, they kind of let them out of the box and let them go. And you're, you're by the time you turned around, it was too late. They were in touchdown. So – that was my one big takeaway from OU negative I had as far as, um, you know, they still made a few. Like I said, they they miss they miss tackles, but first of all, everybody misses tackles in this league, so it's, I'm not going to harp on that too much, as long as it doesn't get out of hand. They made the most important ones. They didn't. They it was there was very few times where they let somebody bust out for a huge game. You know, if a running back you miss a tackle at the backfield and he ends up getting two yards instead of a two yard loss, it's not the end of the world for me in a game like this. Now there are games where that is going to be key, and you are going to need those, but. A game like this, it wasn't the end of the world. So I'm not going to nitpick them to death like some people are on some of that stuff. I still believe – I don't know about you guys or where you're at on this. I still believe this defense is better than last year's. 
Um, they're showing some of those things. And I said it on Twitter, and I think people are starting to agree with it because I'm giving them examples during the game. This defense is better in terms of its imposition. It's doing a lot of things. It's getting sacks, which it never has you know, in recent years. It's doing a lot of those things. It's just not making enough plays to be a great defense. It's not – they are getting a few turnovers here and there, but well, for instance, that one t- I think I want to say it was the last touchdown Baylor had against the starters. I want to say it was like late third quarter or so. Uh, I'd have to go back and watch the tape, but when Hurd ran it in, yeah, that third quarter because that's when Baylor put up a lot of points, twenty-one points. Um, that third quarter, oh, I'm sorry, that's Oklahoma. I looked at the wrong, fourteen points in the third quarter when uh, Hurd ran it in. Um, the, there was a play where he gets smacked. I want to say Clay Houghton, maybe the safety, come down and just smacked him, and he and he fumbled it. Um, nobody falls on it from Oklahoma. That's the kind of thing I'm talking about. Though they're not, if they start getting some of those, man, watch out because mm-hmm. it, it's going to really change these games. Because the worst thing you can do is turn around and give the ball back to the offense. Right. So, you know, I, that's that's to me, it's that close for them from being a defense that is good enough to win a lot of games in this league and probably win the league to a defense that's actually a, a difference maker, possibly on the national stage. So I don't know. That that's just where I came away with it. Um. Thoughts going forward on Baylor, guys. Um, you know how many how many wins do we think is left on the schedule for this team? Mm, one, two, somewhere in there, maybe. Um, you know, I I I just think the attrition it's going to catch up with them, especially mm-hmm. towards the end of the season. I, I I think they may have one and possibly two. I mean, but that's that's about what I see right now. Okay, Colin. Uh, I'm with Kendall. I think probably. the Kansas State game and maybe. Yeah, maybe they, they sneak. We still. Th- I think we also the other day we think they sneak up and get somebody. Probably yeah, and I would agree with that. I Texas think Texas Tech or something like that. Yeah. So, okay, that's fair enough. Um, real quickly, because we are going to be releasing those. Where do you guys have Oklahoma? And since we've now talked about both of them, West Virginia over Oklahoma, Oklahoma over West Virginia. Where do you guys have that? It's Oklahoma over West Virginia right now. Yes. Uh, I'm not talking about the end of the year for people. We're not. Go- I'm just saying this week your rankings. I have Oklahoma over okay. West Virginia. Yeah, I have Oklahoma as well. Okay, Jock. Oklahoma. <clears throat> okay. All right. Uh, last game on the roster here, or on the schedule here, and then we'll let everybody get out of here. Uh, TCU and Iowa State. This one was a, a good game there at the end of the night. A uh, another a lot like last year's game. I can't mm-hmm. remember the score last year was like thirteen to ten or something like that. Yeah. Uh, a lot like last year's game. Uh, really turned there on a couple plays at the end of the game to win it. TCU kind of forced its will late. Uh, I don't know, Kendall. This is you know Iowa State's your squad. Just your your takeaway from the game, and and you know how impactful was the Montgomery injury and all that kind of stuff. Well, I mean, th- this game was probably it was a slobber knocker. I mean, both sides, both defenses were were laying some hard hits, mm-hmm. and, and it ended up costing both of the offenses players. Uh, you know, Two Montgomery of the defenses in the league. Yeah, so. and it, yeah. And it, Montgomery's injury. Um, it was really late in the game uh, when they were you know they they were behind, but I I felt like. You know, the, the, going forward, I think this might be a problem. But in that game, I don't necessarily think it was the, the tide changer or anything like that. Uh, you know, TCU had punched it in, and so I, I felt like they, you know, it, it's uh, they, they both played they played decent. You know, offensively, there were the numbers on both sides were not all that impressive. Quarterback play was not that great on both sides, um, but it, it was it was just a hard hitting game. I mean, defense. They both left it out there on the field. It was it was probably one of the harder Big Twelve hitting games I've seen in the last few years. The the thing I took from it, and Colin, did you get to watch this game? I did not. No. Um, I don't know, Kendall, where you came away with it on TCU. Did we really learn anything about TCU that we already didn't know, or is there anything that confirmed it? Anything that scares you more? 
Well, uh, I, I mean, mean, obviously Robinson. That, right. That's that's worrisome. For those I, who don't know, he probably broke his clavicle or, or some kind of shoulder injury of some kind. Yeah, it's, de- it's definitely a, some type of shoulder injury. We don't know the extent of it because you know Gary Patterson doesn't let any information out right now. But um, I, I felt like you know I I was expecting them to be able to move the ball a bit more. And then there was a few mistakes that Robinson made, especially like that one interception where he threw it, you know, oh, oh, you know in the end zone over the top. I, I thought that was a bad throw. Um, but you know, I I don't feel like to me they progressed very much since the Ohio State game. Hmm. That that's the biggest thing to me. It doesn't seem like they've made steps, positive steps in the right direction. It kind of seems like they're still playing sluggish, especially in offense. Well, and they had. I get back to it again, guys. They had, I believe, three turnovers in the Ohio State game. You guys watched that game that night. I couldn't. Do you remember? I think it was three. Well, I watched it, but I didn't it, watch it like it you guys watched it. It was two or three. It. And it was like bang, bang, okay. like all right yeah. there in the little. It yeah. was that four-minute window. Yeah. They yeah. had another three, I believe, last week against Texas. And again this week, guys, three turnovers. Mm-hmm. Um, that I mean, you just uh, they've kind of been the, the their downfall, right? Is there, I mean, take those away. Those games look completely different. Well, and coming into the season, we thought that that could potentially be an issue with the offense. And with yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, you're putting a lot of a lot of weight on a freshman's shoulder to come in and and lead an offense when you're you think you're contending for, you know, potentially a playoff spot or at least a conference title. So, uh, I think he he's proven to be uh, or have some of the freshman issues that we kind of foresaw coming into the mm-hmm. season. Yeah, and again, I, I told you guys, and Kendall, you didn't join us for the show that day, but um, the when I came out, and I'm curious to get your thought on this too. I'm trying to think how I put it. Okay, when we came out of the Texas game the other day, that day, um, I, I told Colin, I said my overwhelming thought at the end of that game was, this is kind of the TCU team we thought we might see in the preseason in terms mm-hmm. of we knew the offensive line wasn't going to be very good. We knew Robinson, while his ceiling's pretty high, he's probably going to make some mistakes. He's young, you know, have yeah. some turnovers and things like that. Um, we didn't know what the running game would do with with Anderson with that offensive line being so bad. There was a couple defensive, you know, they lost their best corner in Tejada, some of those things. So the, we knew there was a chance they could make some mistakes, and they just weren't going to quite be as good dominant clean team as they'd been. Um, and I and, and leaving the in the Texas game, I kind of thought to myself, this is kind of what I thought TCU would be. I'm, I'm just curious, yeah. is that is that who they are? Are they closer to that than what we saw in the TC in the Ohio State game? I, I will say the one thing that surprised me the last two games is. The explosion plays. I was expecting to see, More you know, at least a couple of game like big explosion plays with with the speed they have, especially at wide receiver and with turban, you know, different things. I was expecting to see. I still expect to see just a few more explosion plays, and there there really hasn't been a whole lot of that lately. And I think that really, really hurts their offense because you know if they can't hit a few explosion plays, that they they really struggle to stretch the defense out. And what worries me is, you know, if that's broken. You're, you're talking probably the remainder of the regular season he's out. Um, unless it's just, you know, minor. But, I mean, if you're, you're talking clean break, it's broken, maybe needs screws put in it if it's collarbone. Um, even separated shoulder, you're looking at a couple weeks. And the thing I can't get out of my mind, guys, is Robinson's legs have kind of been the difference for them when they've had success in some of these games. He's He's been able to get out into the, the edge and do some things and get some first downs that – the other quarterback, I'm forgetting his name off the top of my head. He's not doing Collins. that. Collins, yeah, he's not doing that for him, guys. Well, and that 
this is kind of the the catch twenty two when you got a quarterback that has good legs. You get one good pop on him like that, and then it, it can really change your season mm-hmm. negatively in a hurry. Um, so and he's I, not a small kid. He's oh, not. No, Kyler, he's, he's not Kyler Murray. He's no, a no, big, no, he's a pretty a, good sized kid. He's, he's six two, big, six three. Yeah, probably what two twenty or something. I mean, yeah, he's, he's, he's a big kid. Yeah, but I mean, it was a you, smack. I mean, he took a shot oh, yeah. down there. But whenever so. you put yourself in in positions to take hits like that, mm-hmm. eventually something's probably going to get you, yeah. and that's kind of what's happened. And, and I give him credit. The kid was trying to win the game. Oh, yeah. Trying to get no. the yards and do what he needed to do. But, um, you know, that's the kind of, it's that it, – it's never the right answer in those situations in hindsight because you're – well, you need to tell the kid to get down. But you want you don't want to take away what makes him so good at what he does, you know. And he was trying to go win the game for him, and that's his job. Uh, so, you know, I, I can't I, I can't blame him for getting hurt. It's not fair. Oh, no, no, no. It's, not, um, it's just kind of the nature of the beast. But, you know, as a coach – Calling plays, you try to limit some of those things if you can. Did you guys see the comments from from um, Gary Patterson mm-hmm. today on that situation? Yeah. Colin, did you see that? I did not. No. Uh, basically, and uh, Kendall can probably kind of correct me a little bit. It's late, and I'm trying to think. But uh, something along the lines of he was upset because they had already been talking about, well, one, they were talking about going to the Wildcat with that Siwo or Siwu, however you say his name, uh-huh. uh, running back. Uh, they were just getting ready to make that change possibly when it happened, which they did. If you'll remember later mm-hmm. in that drive, once they got Robinson off the field, they did go to Siwu or whatever uh, with that with the Wildcat. But also talking about making a change at quarterback, remember? They were mm-hmm. talking about subbing some of that out and just to see what, what might happen. Not that they necessarily need it before this game. Robinson just wasn't making some things happen for him, so they were going to try the other quarterback. And now he's kicking himself, wishing that he had done that. Um, and I thought that was a, an odd admission from Patterson, mm-hmm. not something you'd normally hear out of him. Yeah, well, in the same same token, though, you can't really blame Patterson for that. I mean, no. that, that was that was down by the goal line, a kid trying to make a play win a ball game. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, any quarterback, no matter if it was Baker Mayfield in the past or even someone that doesn't run very much, you gotta you got to crease, you're going to try to hit a win a ball game. Mm-hmm. And so it was just a freak thing. It really was. But I, I didn't. I don't think necessarily if Coach Patterson would have done things a little bit differently, the injury wouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. It, that's just a freak thing. All said and done, Song comes out and hits the win, winning field goal, 28 yard, or 20, a 20 yard field goal with about 30 seconds left on the clock. TCU survives uh, a game that, for all intents and purposes, they maybe should have lost. Um, but, you know, again, guys, you can't back to this is what Iowa State does to people. They're going to do it to everybody. Again, I cannot tell you how much it was um, crazy to see, in the case of Oklahoma, go the length of the field and keep answering that. Mm-hmm. They force people to do that. There's not many, and I, I said it then, and I'll say it again. There maybe is nobody else, maybe West Virginia, that can answer that bell time and time and time again. This is what they're going to do to everybody. They're going to force you into mistakes. They're going to force you to play their game. They're going to try to keep everything in front and take away your explosive plays. Um, you know, if you do get an explosive play, and like Oklahoma did on them early, they kind of clamp that down and, and they don't let it happen to them again. So be prepared. If you play, if you got Iowa State coming up on the schedule, this is what they do to everybody. It's going to give them a chance to win every single game they're in this year. Uh, in, in games that you look at going into and think, oh, they're going to get housed. It ain't going to happen. I don't think anybody's going to house this team. I just they they will not let it happen to them. They're very sound at what they do. So um, you know, get ready. If you have them on the schedule, it's going to be a long dogfight kind of day. You're not going to be able to go to the pretzel stand and miss part of the game because you're going to come back and want to know what happened. I mean, it's you can't just assume that you're going to beat this team. It ain't going to happen. Uh, so uh, going forward, worried about TCU without Robinson. Uh, there, I just feel like that offense is really in trouble without him. I agree. Uh, especially with that offensive, I think with a true stand-up quarterback back there, we may see how bad this offensive line really is. I'm wondering how much Robinson's kind of hid some of that. 
Uh, and maybe it turns out we were wrong and they end up being fine. But <clears throat> expecting what we thought going into the year, and now that you don't have a quarterback that can hide a lot of those things, I, I'm really interested to see, guys. You may start seeing TCU quarterbacks taking a lot of shots when it's all said and done. So, and they've got to fix that turnover bug. Three turnovers, they can't keep doing that. That's nine in three games, to my yeah. knowledge. At least eight, I know. At least eight for sure. It's tough to win ballgames that way. Yeah, you can't do that. They, they don't have the offense for it, and their defense has kind of been letting them down a little bit uh, from what they thought they should be. So, all right, we'll see going forward. Uh, that's everything I got from that game. Go ahead, go uh, on. I did have a question for you. This is somewhat related to the Robinson situation, but as an Oklahoma fan, I want to know, does it worry you right now that Kyler Murray's carried the ball on approximately 27% of Oklahoma's carries this season? Yeah and no. And yeah, in terms of I don't, I don't think it needs to continue. Um, no, in terms of Oklahoma was kind of feeling, and I think they kind of are there, and they still are a little bit. But after Rodney went down, they were kind of filling their, their run game out a little bit. I think, first of all, that game, they just put it on Kyler and said, go get this and get it done. But Sermon's kind of figuring out his role. He's been a closer traditionally for us. Uh, I can go back to Baylor last year and on and on, on. He closed games at Ohio State, on and on and on. Uh, now he's kind of learning his way as the starter. I think this last week you did see it. But also, you're starting to see the emergence of Kennedy Brooks, who was a super highly talented uh, freshman coming out of uh, the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And even a little bit of uh, the freshman from last year's class, I'm forgetting his name, uh, off the top of my head, really high. Pleasure. Yeah, yeah, Pleasure out of Florida, uh, at IMG. Um, so, um, I don't want to say Oklahoma's got it solved. They're still learning out where they're going to do with people. But I do think that's going to go down. I don't – no, I don't prefer it. I, I hope it does kind of go down. I want it to go back to where Murray's taking his shots and doing it just enough to, to, to screw with people, but not to where he's – I mean, I, I don't expect this will happen, but I dang sure don't want any more games where he's leading the team in rushing. That does worry me with with uh, – because he's not Robinson physically. Yeah. Now, the one thing I will say, too, about Murray – he is super smart at that, guys. I don't know. Yeah, he doesn't take uh, hits. He does not take shots. He would like that that shot there that you saw. He would never take that hit. He just he avoids it. I don't know how. First of all, obviously his baseball background, he slides really well. He knows how to do that. That's not which I always thought it was fascinating that people can't slide. I just thought that's like that's a joke to me. But there are people that screw that struggle with sliding. Um, so he, he, but with his speed too, man, it, it's a different thing. Robinson's a good runner. Murray is a freaking track star. It is so hard to squarely hit that kid. Uh, and, and again, with his brain, he just, he's always looking for the marker sideliner to get down always. Yeah. So yeah, it, it does. It would concern me if that continues, but no on the aspect of, I don't think that will continue. I think they will start near, nipping that in the butt. So that's just my personal opinion on it. Um, uh, anything else, any thoughts or anything from the weekend before no, we get into no. these interviews? Ready for another week. All right, guys. We hope you enjoyed the uh, 102nd, 112th episode before we get in these interviews and say goodbye to you. Um, I I know of at least one. There may end up being a couple more, but I know at least one interview we have coming up on Wednesday. Like I said, we're going to try to schedule several big guests to kind of celebrate this whole week, even though it was 112, but it'll kind of be a part of both episodes. So we have a real good guest coming up for you Wednesday. I'm going to try. We're trying to get a couple former players play to OU Texas. I don't know if it's going to happen or not. We're trying to do that. So, uh, yeah, that'll spill over into that a little bit into the coming weeks. But uh, uh, if you guys don't have anything else, then I guess we'll just get into these interviews and call it a day. Sounds good. All right. Thank you guys for joining us. Don't forget to like us, or or, uh, hopefully you like us. Don't forget to uh, like the show and all that stuff and go rate it and leave comments and all that stuff on iTunes and all that kind of good stuff. So, all right. Until next time, guys, thank you for joining us. Let's get into these interviews.
All right, guys, joining us now, we got a real special guest. Uh, obviously, he's never been on the show before. I think most of you know who he is. I would expect by listening to us, you probably listen to them too. Uh, but joining us from the Solid Verbal Podcast is Dan Rubenstein. Say hi, Dan. Hi. How's life? Uh, great, man. You doing good on your end out there? Life is good. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Can't complain. You're up in what, New York right now? I'm in New York. I'm yes. in Brooklyn. Okay, yes. But you're traditionally a West Coast kid, right? I am. I'm from. I grew up in Southern California in the LA area, and then went to the University of Oregon, back to LA before I, I moved out east to Brooklyn. Yeah, man, you get around. Um, <laughs> I, I think a lot of people probably know who you guys are. I would expect that uh, we did have quite a few people that were interested when we said you'd be on the show. But just, just in case, uh, would you mind giving the folks a little bit of you know what you guys do on the Solid Verbal and all that? Sure. Uh, I co-host a, a college football show called The Solid Verbal, and have done so for 10 plus years. I am an ancient old podcast man at this point. And I co-host with a gentleman by the name of Ty Hildenbrandt, who is awesome and brilliant at all things audio video and hosting college football. Um, we used to be on Grantland when that existed. Uh, we met when we were at Sports Illustrated like 10 years ago now, and then started it when we were both working there, but started it independently. And uh, Ty's in Pennsylvania. I'm in New York, obviously. And I work in sports media. And Ty has a mysterious day job that he <laughs> has been at for as long as I've known him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the mysterious job he won't tell anybody about. We, we have some I of those, too. I mean, he works in IT. I can tell you that he is a, an information technology professional. So I'm, I'm not going to like tell you he's like CIA or something. But, but that, door, that door is open, though. <laughs> listen, I can neither confirm nor deny that if there's a CIA field office, in Allentown, PA, that tie <laughs> is at least nearby geographically. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I, I would like to tell we, you know, we've had several people. We started this about three years ago, and, and like I was telling you, we just saw a hole and we filled it. Um, mm-hmm. we, we thought the Big 12 was kind of taking a beating at that time. I had been listening to you guys' show for a couple years and, you know, the, the regular ESPN shows and stuff like that. And I think, I'm trying to think, probably. I'd say at least four or five of the shows around here that I say around here, we're in Oklahoma, kind of in the middle of Big mm-hmm. 12, in the Big 12. And we've had several local podcasts start up around here for the different teams, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State and stuff. We've had a lot of people come back and tell us, hey, man, you know, you guys kind of helped us get started or influenced us or gave us the courage to. And I, I just want to let you know that's kind of what you did for me. Um, I encourage anybody, if you're at all considering it, to go listen to – Oh, I, I can't remember the exact title, Dan. You'll have to help me. But the 10 years episode you guys did where you kind of went back and talked about everything that you went through over the 10 years. Is it the anniversary special or something like that? Yeah, it was. it's the history of the Solid Verbal. We did that last summer. Yeah. Um, fabulous podcast. I, Thank I, you. I cannot recommend it high enough. It kind of confirmed a lot of our fears, uh, times where we thought things were getting stagnant and, and kind of helped us feel a little bit better about, eh, it's part of the process. You're kind of going through Good. that. And uh, yeah. I, I cannot recommend that enough to to people. If you want to go listen to that, and I, I mean, go listen to their show anyway. It's by far my favorite college football podcast. But if you get a chance, for sure, go back and listen to that episode because it it, it reaffirmed a lot of my fears and made you know as far as making us you know this is we're on the right track. I feel like you know it just I could re- I can't tell you how many times I could relate when he was talking about when Ty was talking about 
your little black book from the FWAA. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, when we joined the F, several of our guys joined the FWAA, and that's how you reached out and all that kind of. Because when we started, I didn't even know how to go about booking guests or how to give an interview. I was sure. still terrible at interviews, but didn't know how to do any of that stuff. And that's just kind of winging it. And it was just kind of nice to hear reassurance from somebody else that, hey, you're kind of doing the right thing. So very much yeah, appreciate I, I, that. I appreciate you saying that. That was maybe one of the most fun episodes we've ever recorded together, especially because we did it at the same table, you know, in the same room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I remember that. But uh, but a lot went into that episode. That was 10 years worth going into that episode. And we were actually – we were inspired by our friends at the Basketball Jones, who are now the starters at NBA TV, who have made a success of themselves. And they did a, a similar episode that we related to in a crazy way. So I'm, I'm really glad that other people are relating – to our show and our story and our thoughts about how everything has happened so far. So that, that means a good deal to hear you say that. Yeah. Well, um, hopefully we get to do one of those in a few years. We're three years into <laughs> it. So hopefully we'll get to I'm do that. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, you know, we, we kind of were looking around and we've kind of reached somewhat the quarter mark on some of these teams. You know, obviously the hurricanes kind of cost some teams to lose games and all that. But mm-hmm. as you kind of look around first, before we get into a little bit of the big 12, just some of your thoughts, first and foremost, you know, with with the Big Ten, we saw Ohio State kind of go into Happy Valley and squeak that one out, and I still don't know what Penn State was doing on that play call on the fourth down play. <laughs> uh, you know, what first with the Big Ten, you know, is that league kind of wrapped up in your opinion? Is it Ohio State or, or bust, and, and where is that league perception-wise? Uh, no, I don't think so, because we've been in this place before with the Big Ten and just, you know, assumed whether it was Ohio State, whether it was Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State, Wisconsin, you know, these these teams go through stretches where they look unbeatable and they look like they've got things wrapped up. And um, no, Ohio State still has a couple and Urban Meyer has have a couple of bad, ugly losses to Michigan State and they're not so recent past. Um you could probably make a pretty compelling case that the best single unit right now in the Big Ten is Michigan's defense, mm-hmm. and it's sort of kept them in games that they've either lost barely or won barely. And you know, if that offense were any better, the defense would probably be even better because they wouldn't be on the field as much. Um, so I, I wouldn't. I think that game is in Columbus this year. Mm-hmm. So that's not like I'm checking right now. Yeah, that's in Columbus, Michigan, Ohio State, but. No, it's it's a weird, you know, we saw an Ohio State team we thought was invincible just get blown out by Iowa. It ultimately didn't affect them winning the conference, and it did affect them going to the playoff. But, no, I, I think there's enough there, and what, they go to, uh, I'm pulling up Ohio State's schedule right now. Uh, Ohio State does host Michigan. They already have Penn State, but they go to uh, East Lansing in what in November mm-hmm. um, there are there are a couple of trip up points I mean maybe beyond that Michigan State game and the Michigan game they don't really exist that that Maryland game is sandwiched in there but I would put it as a good chance that Ohio State runs the table but not a wrapped up chance well get, getting out onto your uh, friends out there in the west coast you know I think you mentioned it but for those you don't know you are for those who don't know you are an Oregon fan you know traditionally yep. um we love the fact that you don't hide that. I had a conversation with a guy on another show a while back, especially a group of us who are fans that started a show. We like it when, you know, and you have been in the media and you're still a media member and a media presence. We like it when people like that, you know, don't hide where they're from. And as long as they're willing to give fair and, you know, unbiased opinions. And I feel like you do do that with Oregon and the Pac-12 a lot. And it's refreshing for us because, you know, I, I don't mean this negatively, but the Pac-12 kind of becomes an afterthought for a lot of people in the rest of the country. Sure. They, they, it's whether it's the time zones or the fact that USC and UCLA aren't kind of at the top of it, keeping everybody's attention, that kind of thing. So 
it, Oregon kind of threw their hat in the ring this year, I think, maybe quicker than some people expected with Cristobal getting there and what, mm-hmm. you know, and what was left behind. Um, it, how serious are they as a threat in that league, and is it, is it really just a three-horse race at this point in that, in that conference? Uh, I'd say semi-serious. There, there are still some glaring deficiencies, and I appreciate you saying that because if, if we're being honest, the people that are most critical of a team are the fans of that team. They're the ones who are paying attention to weaknesses and injuries and trends and things to worry about. And, you know, I, I love Oregon, and I, I've i never really claimed to be an unbiased, like, objective person. I try to be <laughs> fair to every team I talk about, mm-hmm. and that's why, to be fair, I'm an Oregon fan. So with that context, here is me describing Oregon. Um, yeah, right now I would say it's, it's Washington and then everybody else, but at the top of – that everybody else is some kind of combination of Stanford, Oregon, and probably Washington State. We'll see with Utah. They, they had every opportunity to beat Wazoo last week, and I say Utah because they appear to have a defense that'll keep them in every game. I mean, they've already lost to Washington and Washington State, but uh, I can't imagine teams are all that looking forward to going to Salt Lake City, as I believe Oregon does in a few weeks. So, um yeah, Oregon's in a good position, and I think you're right that they're ahead of schedule, and they're ahead of schedule because of Justin Herbert and an offensive line in front of him and uh, a sort of cohesive uh, nature to what they're trying to do that they didn't necessarily have last year and at the end of uh, Mark Helfrich's tenure in Eugene. So, yeah, Oregon's in a good place, and they're especially ahead of schedule because their schedule is amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they um, they have a bye week this week before Washington, and then it gets a little tricky going to Washington State immediately after. But they miss USC and I believe Colorado. Uh, they go to Salt Lake City, but you know UCLA is terrible. ASU is beatable. Uh, Oregon State is terrible. And Arizona looks basically terrible, even with Khalil Tate. So Oregon's in a, in a pretty good place situationally. But, um, yeah, I, I think they're definitely a tick behind Washington right now. Who who do you feel like is going to come out of the South? Is it USC-Utah pretty much? or? Yeah, Arizona State is intriguing. They're a wild card, and they, uh, they're competitive. They haven't been out of any game. They, they lose to Washington by a touchdown, which I think is it's pretty significant uh-huh. um, as far as where they are. And Michigan State win at home is, is nothing to sort of glance over. Um, I still have a couple of questions about what they can do offensively against some of the better teams, and I guess we'll have a better idea of that. I think they have Colorado uh, this week uh, in Boulder, so we'll know a lot more about both of those teams. But, yeah, I think it's some sort of stew between Arizona State, USC, and Utah, and I'd probably rank it right now. I might put ASU atop that, and I know I'm, I'm not talking about Colorado here. I think the teams that they've played are a combined 1-16. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's really like – you could name a school, and I'd probably say, yeah, okay, that's fine. As long as it's not UCLA or Arizona, I'm totally good with it. Yeah, real quickly, before we move on out of the Pac-12, um, how surprised are you with Chip Kelly? I think a lot of people that really weren't in touch with where that – you know, obviously I'm an Oklahoma fan. We're in the Big 12, mm-hmm. so I saw UCLA coming to Norman. I was – um, I, I would say I expected the type of athletes and speed they had, but I don't think I quite expected it to be as – they just don't look like a team. They don't look like they're all pulling on the same end of the rope. Um, you know, it's just all over the place. You know, is did you kind of expect it to be this bad? Is it going to get worse before it gets better out there? I expected one or two wins by now. It was going to be rough. You, you know, making a bowl game was always going to be a, a struggle with what the roster looked like where – 
you know, they'd have a, an edge rusher who is a five-star kid who's super promising, but elsewhere on the line or, you know, there's injuries or there's transfers and the linebacking core is sort of inconsistent and the secondary was overrated and guys have transferred out. So I was not expecting this level. And uh-huh. I don't know necessarily yet how it reflects on Chip Kelly. Um, this is This is Chip Kelly coming after essentially a failed NFL t- tenure. He is, <laughs> as we speak right now, this is what he is most recently known for. This is like if football is that like short memory, what have you done for me lately kind of sport. Mm-hmm. Chip Kelly hasn't done much for anybody lately. And we've seen the track record, but that was, we're going on six years ago. So if we are to forget what he did six years ago, we're talking about a failed NFL coach starting out in a rough way for a major program. Um, if we're looking much bigger picture, UCLA has a ways to go talent wise, culture wise, infrastructure wise. You know, I, the coaching staff never really made sense to me hiring a couple guys that he had at Oregon, a couple guys here. It was sort of a mishmash of, uh, of guys, but it's, it's going to take a little bit. And I, I don't know, I don't think people forget this, but it's one of the things that's sort of glossed over is he was handed a winning program when he took over at Oregon. And he had a lot to do with the fact that there was that winning program and developing quarterbacks and how they were recruiting and how they were running an offense. But that was a program ready to win when they went to the Rose bowl his first year. And so the big question is, will this UCLA team look like what Oregon looked like against Boise state in his first game, that LeGarrette blunt punch game, mm-hmm. or will they look like what they eventually look like? in 2009, which was a developed Jeremiah Masoli and the Michael James comes out of nowhere and, you know, a pretty deep receiving core and defensively they, you know, they keep all their coaches and they look good on defense. What, which UCLA or which, yeah, which Oregon program do they eventually come close to? And I think that it's a, it's sort of a 2020 question, but um, right now they're, they're pretty far. Yeah, I I would agree after watching it. It really did kind of surprise me. Uh, And that's a good point about Kelly. I don't think a lot of I think a lot of people, especially if they don't have the best memory, just assume he kind of built that up. And they were that program was on its way up and he just kind of took it over the over the finish line. And I know that may be selling him a little bit short, but he you know, they were headed in the right direction when he got there. So, yeah, they went to I mean, in 2007, his first year, if if Dennis Dixon and a couple of receivers don't get hurt, Mm -hmm. they are on their way to a major bowl game, if not the national championship and a Heisman. And then, you know, 2008, they sort of have to start over at quarterback, but they still you know, beat Oklahoma State in the Holiday Bowl. 2009, they eventually get to the Rose Bowl. But this was it was a program that was many years in the making by the time he took over. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, swinging over to the ACC, you know, the, the we had uh, kind of an, an interesting seven day period or so stretch for Clemson. And obviously, you know, you had the big injury at quarterback. They haven't looked as dominant. You know, they've had some shortcomings offensively. I don't think the defense has quite been what a lot of people thought it would be. I think so many people pin their hopes and dreams on that defensive line. Maybe they didn't do due justice from front to back on that defense. Um, You know, with them not being as dominant as a lot of people thought, and to be honest, you know, there's some solid teams in there, but maybe Miami kind of coming back now that they're playing in Kosey Perry. You know, where, where is this, that league and, and is Clemson, you know, are they you really give them a shot to get to the playoffs still? Oh, yeah. I mean, it depends on Trevor Lawrence's health, but the ACC is at a point right now where an even pretty good 
team is all of a sudden elite in the ACC. And I guess <laughs> when I say that, I'm maybe talking about like NC State, who looks pretty good. <laughs> and they have them, I believe, at home in two or three weeks. But yeah, Florida State and Louisville look terrible. Boston College is, you know, they're feisty, but they're beatable. And we saw Duke take a, a, a step back, at least, with uh, the return of Daniel Jones against Virginia Tech last week. South Carolina just got pushed around by Kentucky, who's totally good. But <laughs> if you're getting pushed around by Kentucky, you're getting pushed around by Clemson, a healthy Clemson. Mm-hmm. So there's there's not much on this schedule. And, yes, they could almost, cert- almost certainly they're going to meet Miami. Um, in the ACC championship game if both teams keep looking like they do at the moment. But, um, no, it's it's a down conference, and there's something that I, I talked about this with Andy Staples on the, the podcast a couple days ago. There's something sort of strange about the fact that Clemson doesn't necessarily pull away from clearly inferior teams. And we saw it a couple times that they did do it last year against uh, Virginia Tech and Louisville, but – they were up for those are those are big games. Those are huge ACC matchups. And there is something I don't know what it is. There's something just uninspired sometimes about what Clemson looks like playing down to, uh, to the more average opponents on their schedule. But right now, you know, if you look at their road games, I guess it would be Boston College would be what they have to, to be most worried about on the road. But that doesn't feel terrifying. So Clemson is in a good position, even as they are still kind of trying to find themselves on both sides of the ball. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I I feel like we know where we are with the SEC, and in the interest of letting you get out of here before we get to keep you on here too long. Um, I don't know where I am with the SEC. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I feel like we know who the top dogs are, and I think a lot of people feel like they're going to make it out. And you have some interesting games real quickly this weekend in LSU, Florida, but that Kentucky-Texas A&M game, to me, I'm really keeping my eye on that game. Um, sure. You know, like you said, I, I kind of buy Kentucky too. I really enjoy watching Snell. He's a real interesting character on and off the field. You know, how I think for those who maybe haven't or just kind of starting to hear about Kentucky, how serious um, do you take this team? How good are they? How much of a shot did they got to go into College Station and beat the Aggies? They have a pretty good shot. I don't know what their schedule. I can pull it up. Uh, I don't know what their schedule looks like after Texas A&M. I don't think it's sort of a murderer's row right after until they get to Georgia in November. Mm-hmm. But um, Kentucky's in a very good place because they well they can run the ball and they can stop people and that's amazing and that is you know there's probably a hundred teams who would love to be able to say that but the the big question to me is what does Kentucky look like down five with two eighteen left when <laughs> they can't just you know they don't have any timeouts uh-huh. where Terry Wilson has to to put a game on his shoulders that's where I'm more worried whether it's you know in a tough place like College Station whether it's even against I don't know who else they have it looks like they have man, their road schedule is not that bad. But if they go to Mizzou Halloween weekend and they're down, you know, 38-34 or something like that against a big offense like Mizzou can have, what what does Terry Wilson look like with, again, 218 left on the clock and no timeouts? What does that offense look like? And, you know, I like Eddie Grand, their offensive coordinator, but Terry Wilson is not necessarily a quarterback who has shown a ton to, like, put an offense on his back with his arm. Yeah, and and that's you're right. That's the questions they got to answer for sure. Um, I think they at least make the East a little interesting. I, I think it'd be you know, oh, yeah. fantab- fa- fabulous if we got to, you know, the uh, I don't know when they play, but say close to the SEC championship weekend, and you got Georgia and, and Kentucky right there, maybe undefeated, maybe one's got one loss, really going for the East. I think it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, no, that game is going to be that's early November, so a few weeks before the SEC championship game, and. 
I don't believe George. I mean, Georgia obviously has Florida in a couple weeks, but um, after that game, Georgia has that Kentucky game late, and that's I. I want to say it's a week before the Auburn game, mm-hmm. so I don't think it's a look ahead spot, but that's the beginning of a, a tough, tough November for Georgia. Yeah. Well, looking into the Big Twelve, where we're at, uh, you know, really right now you kind of got a three horse race to some degree. There's only three teams left that don't have a conference loss. Um, you know, you really got a good shot. You know, when they went in, you know, when uh, TCU came into Austin, got a really good look at Texas there. Obviously, the loss to Maryland I think keeps everybody in check and makes them go, yeah, but they still could be this team too. Uh, just your thoughts so far on Texas and what you've seen of them, and and do you feel like things are kind of on the right track and they're a contender this year? In the league. Oh yeah, yeah. Texas is on the right track. I think the trajectory is is pointing squarely in the in the right direction. They're sort of up and to the right. My question with Texas is not exactly what it was about Kentucky because they're built differently, but what does it look like when this offense needs to get seven? You know, because they're not running the ball super effectively, and I know they've made some changes along the line. Uh, Sam Ellinger pulls out three and a half amazing throws a game, but that's it. Um, defensively, I like where they are. I don't think they have a ton up front in the way that they have these past couple of years. Um, but Texas right now, you know, they have the biggest game of their season this coming week. And that it, it's, it'd be easy to say that will go a long way to explaining Texas this season, but Texas seems to always play OU pretty tough <laughs> uh-huh. and only losing by five or six last year to the greatest quarterback of you know Oklahoma <laughs> history by all accounts it, it speaks volumes about Texas, and I think they kept that game relatively close in a shootout a couple of years ago. So I would imagine Texas, with Tom Herman being a, a very good big game coach, we saw it at Houston and now at Texas, I think this game is going to be close. I think it's going to be fun. They're going to lose something stupid at some point this season. <laughs> Texas is, and they almost did it against Kansas State. I don't know if it's going to be you know Baylor or Texas Tech or Iowa State or something like that. They're, I mean, I, I still think they lose – probably at least a couple more but one of those is going to be them looking past or beyond a team yeah definitely I think that's fair and they're still learning how to win I think you saw that and you saw some things that looked like they were starting to turn the corner in TCU and starting to do some things they hadn't done controlling mm-hmm. the line of scrimmage against maybe the best defensive line in the Big 12 probably the best defensive line in the Big 12 um, sure. you know and some of those things so you're starting to see that um, again, like you said, the OU Texas game, I, I, about 2012 or so, I started telling people because OU kept coming into that game favored there for about a three, four year stretch. OU was like a double digit favorite. And that wasn't right. something that had really happened in my lifetime. <clears throat> and, you know, because, you know, I was born in the mid 80s. So it was, you know, the 90s were a dark period. And then, you know, all of a sure. sudden 2000s took off. So it wasn't really something I was used to. And I kept telling people, I was like, this game is its own animal. It's its own monster. It doesn't mean anything else outside of it. You know, it didn't. You can't. I can't tell you how many times one team won in that stretch or so in the last ten years and went on to have just a terrible season that didn't mean anything, and the other one mm-hmm. lost and went to a playoff, or you know whatever the case may be. And last year, if Baker doesn't hit Mark Andrews on that big pass, I think with what like two minutes left or whatever, oh, you probably lose mm-hmm. that game. You know, right. Texas probably beats him again. So and it was not a particularly good Texas team last year. No, this this was a, a playoff Oklahoma team that needed basically every second of the game to win it. Mm-hmm. So it, it weird things happen in Austin, in Dallas. I I, I can't yes. I can't say that enough. Weird, crazy things. Um, you know, real quickly with West Virginia, 
I think a lot of people, especially in the first half, were really impressed watching them go in there into Lubbock and take apart a, a TT, a T, uh, excuse me, a Texas Tech team uh, that the week before had gone into Stillwater. And I and I know from listening to you, you enjoy OSU and what they've been doing there in recent years, and mm-hmm. you're usually pretty high on that team and what they're capable of. So I'm sure that someone impressed you with Texas Tech going in there and beating them like that. Um, what do you think that says about West Virginia? Where do you think they are? West Virginia is in a – I mean, listen, they have the best – Probably the best quarterback in the conference. I can't fully say that because we don't really know Kyler Murray's ceiling. But as, as a pure passer, I think he's the most trustworthy quarterback mm-hmm. Will Greer is Definitely. right now. Um, and that means a ton in the Big 12, as we've seen these past few years. I, I'm still not crazy about a defense that you know led a Texas Tech team led by their like, maybe third-string quarterback. I guess he'd be considered Jet Duffy. Yeah, yeah he's um, Back into that game and the fact that West Virginia – I don't believe scores an offensive touchdown in the second half of that game. So I I would imagine there's some sort of dance right now happening where the coaches are trying to figure out how to put this team in the best position to win and, you know, how to step on the gas, but without going too quickly to give the ball back. And they're figuring out how to be a complete team. And listen, going into Texas Tech, Texas Tech is like your perennial, uh, as you guys know, like they're a six and six, seven and five program that nobody wants to play and for good reason, because <laughs> yep. they'll they'll randomly just put 800 yards. They're on. Washington so, State of the Big 12, pretty much. It's exactly right. And in so many ways. <laughs> yeah. um, but um, the fact is, West Virginia is 1500 miles away from Morgantown. They go in after not really playing anybody and survive a Texas Tech team that just beat a what we believe to be a pretty good Oklahoma State team who killed Boise State. And I know that's a lot of transitive property defending, <laughs> but we're still talking about a high-level football team at times. So a win is a win is a win, especially on the road in the Big 12. So I think they're in a good position. I still don't fully trust the defense, but they can, on any given Saturday, sure, they could beat anybody. Yeah, obviously that, that brings us to our last one here, Oklahoma. Um, you know, they – there's been some times where this defense – I know, I don't know how close you were listening or paying attention, but after the Army game, this part of the country was ready to tear itself apart. <laughs> sure. Uh, you know, after that performance. And, and it comes to a history of just disappointing defense. Not even always bad. Now, a lot of times there are bad, but they're just, just disappointing in ways, uh, especially when you're coming off, you know, last year in the Rose Bowl where you feel like if they can make a few tackles, they may even win a mm-hmm. national title. Who knows? Um so, you know, they, that kind of got everybody upset. They go into Baylor <clears> – <throat> they have Baylor coming into OU, and they really did a good job uh, of shutting them down at times. Also had some quarters, you know, in the third quarter where they kind of let Baylor do a little bit too much. They kind of played off and played safe. Uh, so, we – I don't know. I, I still feel like we're kind of putting a scale on this team as to what they're fully capable of. But I know from your – I believe if I call it right, it's your fantasy things draft you guys do at preseason. Mm-hmm. Kyler, Kyler Murray was one of the – ones for Ty that he that he selected and just kind of the season surrounding him and how you guys thought he would be such a huge story. So where, you know, I, I've kind of tried to, to keep myself back and, and not say, not get overexcited and say, let's see, let's see, let's see. But at this point, I think you just have to give a guy a ton of praise of, of what he's doing. It's pretty impressive. Oh, yeah. What Kyler Murray has done as a first-year starting quarterback has been crazy impressive. Everybody knew his talent coming in, but the fact that he looks so comfortable is – it's a testament to the time he's had to sort of sit and learn behind Baker Mayfield and, you know, spending time with Lincoln Riley and the offensive staff to come in and look that comfortable and confident is, is enormous because that's a tough ask to follow up Baker Mayfield. That's just, you know, a record setting all time quarterback. And for him to come in there and perform like he has with seemingly no, uh, 
no moment where he has really looked out of sorts a couple times, maybe during the army game or Iowa state for a player here, but nothing, nothing significant. I am, I cannot wait to watch Oklahoma this back basically half of the season with, you know, Texas on a neutral site. I think they go to TCU, they go to Lubbock, Uh they get Bedlam at home, which is nice. And they finish out the season in Morgantown. So Oklahoma is going to earn it. Whatever happens, they're going to earn it. And I wouldn't worry too much about the army game they just happen to be the team this year to to get the best punch by an option team and you know you survive that game that's fine clemson just survived against syracuse alabama is not going to have to survive against anybody but they're playing a different sport don't worry about (laughs) alabama georgia had a weird game against mizzou and they'll probably have another one or two weird games that was oklahoma's weird game and last year maybe they lose that game they lost that game to iowa state definitely think that weird moment so you walk away with a W against your, your weird option opponent. It's not the end of the world. Yep. And that's and that's exactly what I kept trying to preach to a lot of people around here. It's it's a one off, it's a weird thing. And you're right. I I don't think Oklahoma survives the game in Ames this year that they played, and I really don't think they survived the game against the Army. So, yeah, they. Th- I keep coming back to the point they're doing enough to win the games when they need to. They keep making the plays when it has to happen, and they did at the end of the Army game too, getting an interception and stuff. So yep. it may not be the prettiest destination, but as long as you get to the destination, I don't really think it's that big a deal how you got there. Yeah, and I think what it is too is you have – what an eight month off season where everybody is trying to pour over every detail of Mm -hmm. the coming season. So then when everything (laughs) unfolds, you've already put so much mental effort into thinking about this season into thinking about the possibilities and the, the road bumps and the hiccups that are possible that all of a sudden, when all of that is interrupted by army, you are just, you're thrown. You've put so much expectations (laughs) and so much uh, mental commodity into the season where you're thrown and you know you'll look back on it and you're like well whatever it was it was weird and fun in its own way that it was on pay-per-view and people were watching on twitch and you know they survived everybody's got that yeah exactly and that's and you're right because that Oklahoma fans know the game on pay-per-view every year there's going to be one it kind of helps prop up their third tier program Sooner Vision and mm-hmm. it, it is it is the game that's usually the looks the most winnable on the schedule so when it ends up like this <laughs> It, right. You know, people start getting uncomfortable and unnerved. So, um, real quickly, Dan, just yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't remember. It's been so many shows ago since you did it. What's your top four were in the playoff? You know, roughly, real quick, right now. Just if you had to throw it out there, who do you think the four teams are in your opinion that make it? Uh, and if it's not a Big Twelve fan a team, it's not going to hurt our feelings. I promise. So you know, just whatever you got, throw it out. Uh, yeah, I've probably Alabama, Ohio State. I may have Notre Dame, honestly. Their schedule just got a lot easier. Um, and even if they go 11-1, and one, that's probably a better 11-1 and one with how much college football would want them in the playoff anyway. Mm-hmm. And then and then to me, it's basically an Oklahoma-Washington toss-up. Yep. And we, we've already had that scenario a couple of times. Or yes. looked like we were going to. It seems like Washington, either they both got in the one year or there was another year Washington or Stanford kind of took themselves out of it. So. Yeah, it's just the easiest thing for me to look at that Washington defense and the Oklahoma offense to just like, I'm going to go with somebody who has an excellent thing, and both of those teams do. Mm-hmm. Um, real quick, lastly, uh, an absolute fun part of your show I enjoy. You guys take questions, and then also sometimes this gets brought up on your own, is, is all the food discussion you have. 
Um, yes. Just you know, if it's, if it's your game, if you're uh, say you're throwing a party, a big Oregon game, it's uh, Oregon, Oregon State Civil War, something like that. What is the dish you reach to the most? What is the thing you go cook for your guests? I'll make a giant bowl of guac, and that's not cooking; it's just mixing. <laughs> um, but like that's that would be my go-to in terms of cooking. Probably I'll keep it simple, just because. When I do go complicated with what I cook, it takes a long time, mm-hmm. and I don't want to miss football. And I, I get people are, are dedicated and start a brisket at, like, you know, midnight and check on it every couple hours. And, man, I respect the hell out of that. But I just want to get done and watching games. So guac and burgers, whatever it is, um, I make a very good burger sauce. Um, it's sort of like a Thousand Island but a little bit different with some hot sauce. Um and my guac is very good. My secret ingredient. If you want it, use it. If you don't, we're still friends. I will roast up garlic cloves and mash those up and put little bits of roasted garlic throughout the guac. And it gives it like a little bit of sweetness and body that I think uh, people respond well to. Hmm. That makes me actually want to come make some and try it. That sounds really interesting. I've never heard that Go before. Go for it. Go for it. Yeah. And, and I – also, just want to say I'm definitely with you and Ty on your uh, discussions on uh, potato salad and the yeah, way it's got to be made. Yeah, and the crispy and all that. Yeah, and the cold. and yes. I, Yeah, yep, I'm definitely with cold. you on those guys. So, um, Anyway, again, thank you so much, Dan, and, and we'll let you get out of here. I'm sorry we probably held you a few minutes longer than we said, and I deeply apologize for that. I was trying oh, to get good. through it. I was trying to generalize it as much as I could and get you through that. But um, real quickly for the folks, could you tell everybody where they can go find your show, You know what it's called, or where they can follow you and things like that? Sure. Um, you can listen to it. It's the Solid Verbal, like the recruiting term, S-O-L-I-D-V-E-R-B-A-L, solidverbal.com, or follow us wherever. Um, it'll If you Google us, a bunch of stuff will come up. That's what I can tell you. Mm-hmm. Definitely. All right, man. Well, thank you so much for doing this, Dan. I can't tell you how much it means to me to have you guys on. You, you Like I said, you've been a big inspiration for our show, and I know many others, so thank you for doing that. My pleasure. All Glad right. Glad to be on. All right. Thank you. We'll talk to you sometime soon. All right. too. Thanks. Bye. All right, guys, uh, our second interview of the show, uh, you know, again, we're celebrating our 112th episode, so we're trying to bring in the big guns, and uh, with this one, we got Mr. Wendell Barnhouse. How you doing, sir? I'm doing good, and uh, I'm not 112 years old, so that's good, that even though I'm on the 112th episode, that's good. I'm not quite there, but uh, good, to, good to be with you guys, and congratulations on... Uh, 112 shows that's impressive thank you it is us too it kind of snuck up on us i um <laughs> well I yeah, since we initially intended to celebrate the 100th episode yeah it might, it, might have snuck up on us a little bit there. yeah we were going to do 100th and uh, we kind of realized we missed that and so we were like well i guess we should do the 112th that'd probably be a little yeah, easier that kinda, yeah that kind of sucks that it worked out that way maybe we should have just said oh by the way this is our 100th that nobody was keeping track well of. we we i i recognize it when it was probably about our 105th episode yeah <laughs> And, and the problem is, too, is uh, people keep receipts now uh, for no matter what we do and say. So, yeah, that's the end thing. Yeah, somebody, um, somebody would have counted and somebody would have said, no, you guys have actually done 100. We realize people are actually listening to us when they start correcting, oh, last week it was this or this, you know. Yeah. So, well, that's, that's, that's the great thing. It's always nice. I like when somebody maybe points out a mistake if uh, I make one in something I wrote because at least I know – one person read the damn thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> as long as you guys got people pointing out stuff, uh, you got listeners. Definitely. Uh, you know, Wendell, where are you? I, obviously, I uh, personally 
Uh, I used to watch you on Fox or you know Fox Sports and all that. Right. I remember you doing the the Big Twelve Media Days back when it was twelve teams and right. all that stuff. Right. Where you know what? Where are you doing now after that? You know, life after Fox okay. Sports. What do you got going on? Well, um, when I was doing that, I was working uh, you know for the Big Twelve. Uh, I was kind of their website guy. I did that for like seven years. I'd been at the Star Telegram in Fort Worth for t- twenty five years before that, covering college football and college basketball and kind of saw the way newspapers were going and uh, had a chance to join the Big 12. Did that for seven years, and then uh, as things tend to happen in the business, they decided to go in a different direction. So since about October of uh, 2015, I've just kind of been freelancing. I worked for the Athletics some on uh, writing college basketball stuff last season and a couple other websites, uh, website called fan rag sports which no longer exists so i guess i helped kill that site <laughs> um but uh I, it's been uh, you know i'm kind of i'm not retired and i don't know if i'm semi-retired but i'm, I'm doing enough stuff to kind of keep busy i do uh pretty regular work for a site called the open man uh, dot com and uh, coming this basketball season dave campbell's texas football they've expanded their coverage quite a bit uh, not only in football but they're yep. also going to do uh, uh, more basketball related stuff so as far as the teams in texas i'll uh, be doing some of the uh, writing some stuff about texas schools as far as basketball is concerned i just their preview magazine for uh, basketball is coming out uh, in a couple of weeks that i helped do some of the preview stuff for that so uh, uh, I'm, I'm kind of in uh, I'm in a nice spot because I can kind of, for the most part, do what I want. And, uh, you know, if I don't want to do something, I don't do it. And it's a, you know, as you guys know, uh, anybody else in a job, when they, when you have to go do stuff, sometimes it's not much fun. So uh, I'm, I'm kind of in a, I'm in a good position right now to kind of just uh, uh, head toward the sunset and, uh, and kind of enjoy the tail end of the career. <laughs> how, how's, that, how's that for a great opening for your guests there? Huh? Everybody's going to want to listen to this <laughs> As long as somebody will listen to you, you'll be doing it, huh? Yeah, you got it. All right. Um, I obviously want to go back and look at last week, you know, just mm-hmm. real quickly. But before that, because of how big the game was for the league and maybe kind of where it helped us maybe start to decide some of these things, looking back at Texas TCU, um, mm-hmm. you know, what What did you take away from that game? I know with us it kind of shocked us because – I don't want to say shocked us. It surprised us. We thought Texas had a shot. But um, right. we kind of thought TCU would come off that Ohio State game, you know, kind of, you know, ready to score and ready to kind of go out and really go after Texas. And a little bit of Texas enforcing their will uh, there towards the end. I, we were impressed with how they shut the door. They kind of slammed the door shut on TCU, you know. Is, is, did that surprise you at all? You know, where are you at on those two programs? Yeah, well, you know, TCU obviously has been a little bit of a disappointment, which, uh, you know, obviously we still got the second half of the season to play out to see how that uh, turns out for them. But, you know, the the Ohio State game was, you know, they played, I think, better than maybe some people would have thought. And obviously it was a couple of defensive touchdowns that actually made the difference in that game. So, um, you know, and Ohio State's obviously one of the best – teams in the country this year so the fact that tcu pretty much played them for the most part even was impressive and you know obviously sean robinson has only played a handful of games as a starting quarterback and he made some key mistakes and i don't know if there was a hangover for that game from tcu but you know texas was 
you know, finally starting to feel good about itself after, you know, uh, you know, again, beating a USC team that may not be that good, but, you know, at least they beat them and they kind of controlled the second half and finished things off. And I think the TCU game was a little bit of a turning point for the Texas program because obviously TCU had owned them recently and the games had been blowouts and, you know, the fact that Texas was able to, uh, you know, pretty much control the game and kind of win it going away. I mean, that's not what Texas, you know, last year we know, having watched Texas, that, you know, any game that was close in the fourth quarter, if they had a lead, they weren't going to win. And, you know, to do that and also have a a really big home crowd uh, for the second week in a row following up USC, I think it was finally the Texas program under Herman, and I've been kind of critical of him uh, in some ways, you know, finally kind of living up to the to the hype a little bit and actually doing what they've been talking about doing. And so, you know, that was, you know, a pretty key thing to get conference play started on the right foot and beat a team that had, you know, really kicked their butt recently. So I, that was a, you know, we'll see as things go along, but, you know, it, it was one of those turning point kind of outcomes. Sticking with TCU there, um, yep. Gary Patterson, I know he, he's really big on – on kind of keeping things close to the vest with with Mm -hmm. Sean Robertson's uh, injury. Have you heard anything? Cause I have a hard time finding hardly any information about that. Do you have any? No. Okay. I haven't heard anything. I think probably the only people that know are Patterson Robinson and maybe the team doctor. I mean, I don't know (laughs) if they're going to let that information go any further than that. Um, And yeah, that's something that's pretty concerning. I know based on some of uh, Patterson's comments after the game, he sounded a little upset because, you know, they have this backup quarterback who transferred from an Ivy school who's early in the season has gotten some, some playing time, but Patterson made it sound like he wanted to have some of the snaps split a little bit more. I don't know really where they could have split them up that much, but you know, the fact is that the way he was talking, it sounded like, you know, that uh, Robinson's going to be out for a little while. So, you know, that's obviously, uh, something to be pretty concerned about. I mean, Robinson's a, you know, he's six three, two thirty. He's a pretty, pretty big guy, but he took a heck of a hit and mm-hmm. it looked like his shoulder was, you know, banged up pretty badly. So, you know, we'll just kind of have to wait and see how that happens. And, uh, as far as going forward or not, and they do have, you know, they don't play this weekend. They've got a game next Thursday, so they've got a little extra time, maybe to get him healed up. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I haven't heard anything, you know more definitive as far as what his status is going forward with them coming up you know you talk about their game they got they got the bye week and, and them and tech are going to go at it right. uh, obviously we saw bowman you know in yep. apparently some pretty serious stuff there collapse long yep. um you know I, I don't obviously don't expect him to come back anytime soon we saw some things there with jet duffy in that second oh, half yeah. and i you know that game they came back on west virginia and i think a lot of people on the outside, just kind of glancing at it, like, oh, you know, that's West Virginia. They couldn't finish mm-hmm. the game or whatever. I kind of thought, just from looking at it, it, to me it kind of looked like they weren't prepared for a lot of the things Jet Duffy did in that second half and had no yep. no mm-hmm. idea, no plan, no plan of attack or anything. Is that kind of what you took from that situation? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of, you know, what happens, particularly when you've got, you know, um, two quarterbacks that are just 
you know, pretty different. I mean, obviously they're running the same system. It's not like Tech decided to go to the wishbone with Duffy in there. I mean, that wasn't anything that, you know, it's not like that kind of a game plan switch. But when you go from a guy that's basically a pocket quarterback where you don't have to worry about him, you know, really breaking out and, you know, gaining much yardage on rushing or you don't have to maybe put a spy on defense to worry about him on keepers or anything like that. Then you go to a guy who's obviously, you know, very quick, a good runner, and also a good passer. Uh, you know, it does kind of mesh up. I, I think the thing that, to me, was a little bit more concerning with West Virginia was, and I don't know if, you know, flipping around watching other games, I, I don't know if Tech defensively made any particular adjustments, but the way West Virginia started offensively, I mean, it looked like they could put 60 up. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if there was something that Tech was able to do that slowed West Virginia down, or if they... West Virginia just said, hey, uh, they've got their second straight quarterback in. we got a big lead. No reason to really, you know, keep the keep the foot on the pedal kind of situation. But, you know, I, it's hard to say. It's The, the thing is, and, we, you know, we all do this, fans, media, whatever, you know, we, we criticize, you know, anything possible. They went on a road and won at Tech. You know, that's mm-hmm. that should be it. I mean, even if it ended up being like a one-point win, hey, you know, you won the darn game. What, even if maybe you didn't look great in the second half, you know, that's only if you lose do you then say, hey, what happened? Why did we let this one get away? So the fact is that that was a, you know, that was going to be kind of a dicey game. And I think West Virginia deserves some credit for just kind of coming out and early kind of letting Texas Tech know, hey, you're full of yourselves after beating Oklahoma State. You're playing us this week and we're gonna we're gonna kinda kick your butt here early and take control of the game. And um you know, going forward, West Virginia is one of those teams that, you know, if you look at their offense, they're scary as hell. And I think their defense has been pretty good and they had a lot of holes to fill on defense coming into this season. I don't know if West Virginia is going to avoid one of those, you know, trip over their shoelace kind of games but um you know they could end up being kind of a surprise team and they game at the end of the season where oklahoma's got to go to morgantown um you know that's got potential to be maybe two undefeated teams yeah and you know i going back to what you talked about there you said what you know what did tech start doing um honestly in my opinion it was more west virginia they were running things well. They were, and I thought I was really proud of them because they were a supplemental run game uh, mm-hmm. in that situation, and they were doing just enough to kind of keep Tech off the field right. at times. Right. And what ended up happening, in my opinion, was they kind of got into melt the clock mode, and they're a team yeah. that doesn't really do that well and doesn't know how to do that well. Right. And uh, it really kind of got Tech back in the game. And what's you know the most bewildering part about it is that. You were doing enough. You were taking away possessions. It wasn't like they were scoring in a minute and two seconds every time. Right. You know, they were taking their shots when they could. They were running so well out of that, you know, single back shotgun, four wide look mm-hmm. they've got. They were doing that so well and getting, you know, seven, eight, nine yards at a time. So, I, I don't know. It was really – I understood what they were trying to do, but you, you don't do that well. And I think at some point they needed to pull that back and just go back into normal ball. Yeah, and that you know, and that's also – difficult when you come out and you are going you know balls to the wall and, and you know Greer's throwing guy you know throwing it 40 yards downfield and putting it in guys hands and you really got a rhythm going and you say oh, okay well we're, we're good here let's kind of back it off and let, let's maybe 
you know, try to control it through the run and, and kind of, you know, like you said, play against the clock. Then all of a sudden Tech's kind of back in the game and, you know, you don't, you know, it's not like a light switch. You can't just say, oh, we got to go back to doing what we were doing before. Um, you know, there you get rhythms going either way. And the other thing is, I mean, toward the end there, it's like, well, you know, if we do something stupid, if Brewer throws a pick six interception or something, then we're really uh, in hot water. So, yeah, it's, you know, it's the reason we want to watch football all day on Saturday. I mean, those are the kind of things that, you know, that we end up getting to talk about all week because it's like you wonder, okay, how did this happen here and why were they doing this? And, you know, so that's, you know, that's, that's why this is a, you know, that's why it's fun. Yeah. Well, you, a minute ago, you mentioned uh, criticizing everything and we were talking about <laughs> yep. Texas tech. So I thought that was a good segue to talking about some Oklahoma state football. So mm-hmm. with, with the way the season has started, you know, they had the big win against Boise state there yep. in Stillwater, then just get absolutely ran out of Stillwater by the, the red Raiders. Where do you think this Oklahoma state team actually is this year? I know, you know, there's a lot of criticism with Taylor Cornelius and why haven't they played some of these backup right. quarterbacks and, and everything. I'm just interested on what your take is on the team this year. Well, again, it's, you know, the, it is a week-to-week deal. I mean, after Boise State, it was like, wow, Gunty's, uh, you know, they're going to they're gonna do it again. And they got a great defense, second quarterback, and, you know, Boise State was ranked, and they went in there and it kicked, kicked them all over the field. You know, and then the next week, Texas Tech turns around and, you know, I mean, actually – you know, they won the game defensively, which I think, you know, if, if I think if Texas tech had beat them like 52 to 49, I don't think it would have been as much of a sting to Oklahoma state fans as the fact that they got shut out in the second half. Right. It's like, you know, Texas tech, how did we not score in the second half against, you know, a team that's never played any defense. So I think that was really kind of thing. Then you had the whole deal with McCleskey transferring and all the stuff with the media, and blah, 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 you know, they were lucky they were playing at Kansas, frankly. I mean, you know, the fact that that, you know, was a game that they really weren't going to lose. And, you know, their season is going to be decided, you know, you know, they've got, you know, after they beat Boise State, everybody's saying, hey, they got a chance to be undefeated going into the last three games of the year. Obviously, that's not the case. And they're back to being more of a <clears throat> probably a middle of the pack thing. But again, I think it's one of those deals where, you know, with we get so many expectations set up about, you know, uh, you know, they Mason Rudolph and James Washington, two of the best pass catch guys in the school's history, leave and everybody, you know, and then here's this Cornelius guy and he's putting up some pretty good numbers. And it's like, well, but he's not Mason Rudolph, but it's not like he's totally incompetent. But then they lose a game and everybody says, well, it's because of him. We got to change quarterbacks. Whatever. I mean, you know, sometimes the expectations of the fans and sometimes the media get a little bit out of whack because it's oh well, Gundy's just reloaded and they're you know they're going to be just as well. Well, you know, it's not the case. It's just you know I don't know if we'll talk about Kansas State eventually, but that's kind of <laughs> what it, you know everybody thought Kansas State would be pretty solid, and now it looks like they may struggle to get to a bowl game. And because we think, well, Bill Snyder is always going to figure it out. Well, there ain't no always, you know, I mean, you know, things, <laughs> yep. teams have bad seasons or mistakes get made or guys aren't as good as they thought or whatever. So 
to answer your question, I don't know what Oklahoma State's going to be like. I mean, it's really hard to it's hard to say. I mean, they got Iowa State this week, um, and Iowa State's one of the you know has played pretty well and doesn't have anything to show for it. Um, you know, they could end up being a team that everybody thought might win seven or eight games, and they may have trouble getting to a bowl game now. So, you know, it's to me, it's almost particularly in the Big Twelve, maybe not so much nationally, but. It's a real week-to-week league, you know, mm-hmm. other than maybe Oklahoma. You don't know what the other nine teams are going to play like. Well, um, you know, I was going to ask you briefly about what have you thought so far about Coach Knoll's new defense, the the scheme that he's put in there in Stillwater and how, you know, they've been playing so much or so aggressive. In fact, they're leading the country in sacks at this point. Do you, yep. you see that holding up as they start playing some of the more explosive offenses in the Big 12 or just kind of smoke and mirrors just to this point just based on the competition they played? Well, you know, that to me it's um, – I, I was thinking about this earlier if we were going to talk about, you know – veer slightly off track i know everybody rips mike stoops at oklahoma that they never can stop anybody but <laughs> yeah my you know, you know it's like by, by the way i saw this stat earlier today that joel clad had oklahoma is allowing fewer yards mm-hmm. per rush attempt than alabama mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's a lot of stats you know, like that out there people yeah, just don't yeah, realize it but you know but it, you know and it's like oh like in fact yeah after the iowa state game people were saying oh they missed a bunch of tackles and i was sitting there so i watched the whole damn game i didn't think they missed that many tackles in fact mm-hmm. i thought they made they made of most tackles. of the ones that matter yeah, that there was a, a couple where they got together. away, but yeah. Sure, which I mean, show me a team that ever that has never missed a tackle in a game, particularly in this league where everything's out in space. And if you do miss a tackle, it's probably six points. But getting back to the Oklahoma State thing in defense and how they how you play, I mean, the NFL is setting a record for the most points scored through the first four weeks of the season or whatever, mm-hmm. because I think the NFL has finally woke up to the fact that you know some of this stuff that these colleges are doing it worked and we're going to incorporate this stuff and we're going to spread the field and we're going to throw it around a little bit more because I don't think that a defensive secondary can cover good wide receivers who know where they're going. And if you give the quarterback time to throw and if he's accurate, like Mayfield was last year, like Murray is this year, like Mahomes was at Texas tech, you can't stop teams. You can't do it. And Mm -hmm. then you're, you got the defense all spread out, and then you've got a good running back. He can run for 10 yards because the field's all spread out. It's just, you know, I, I mean, can teams have a bad game? Yeah, you get penalties, you get off schedule, all that kind of stuff happens. But, you know, if you if you can't rush the passer with, four, with about four guys and get pressure on him, and he's a good passer who, you know, has good receivers that are going to get open, I just don't think you can cover any, cover everybody. So, what Oklahoma State's doing so far is good and impressive, but you know it's if you're going to blitz to get pressure, you're really rolling the dice that you're going to get there. Because yep. if you leave a guy open on a slant or something, he could go fifty or sixty. And so, you know, but I but I think it's better to try to be aggressive like that than it is to say, well, we're just going to try to, you know, pull back and mm-hmm. you know, I mean, Iowa State last year kind of played that, you know. Uh, three-man front and they kind of moved linebackers in and out but they were basically playing you know almost eight guys in coverage to try to slow down all the beginning that worked pretty well for them but i think people have figured that out now so 
you know, we'll see about Oklahoma State, but when they play some of these really explosive teams, that's when it's really going to – I think that's when the test is going to come. So looking at the Big 12 as a whole, is there a team yep. up to this point so far that has surprised you? And also, is there a team that has disappointed you as far as what you thought they would be at this point in the season? Yeah, Iowa State, like I said earlier, I mean, you know, they kind of – you know, their season got kind of off to a crazy start when their first game got postponed. and. You know, they played Iowa close and couldn't score. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. they, they, I think they're better than their record. Right. But, again, I think it's one of those deals where I think people realized after last last year that, you know, Iowa State's pretty damn good. We can't just assume we're going to beat these guys. You know, I think – and it, even though Kansas has improved, I think most teams in the Big 12 that play them the rest of the year are going to say, unless we really stink in this game, we're going to win. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. not that – they're not good enough to beat us if we play – up to our capability so a surprise team um i don't think the only one that you know i mean we haven't really talked about texas ou but you know texas is a little bit of a surprise and and what they did against k-state saturday that's a they lose that game each of the last four years Uh you know i mean you know, when they're up 19, my wife's a UT fan, and they were up 19 nothing, and she said, oh, okay, that looks pretty good. I think I'll take a nap. <laughs> and and it got to be 1914. I said, I am not going to wake her up. You know? I mean, it's like, because I mean, I look, I said, they're going to lose this game. I mean, mm-hmm. I sat there and said, they, they're going to, you know, and they figured out a way to, you know, to finish, which they did. Again, that's what they did against TCU. But that game in particular – uh, and they're obviously very lucky. K State dropped the touchdown pass in the end zone at the end of the first half, or yep. it might have been different. But you know, the, and there no, there's no way that they are any kind of a complete team. Uh, Ellinger is a nice quarterback, but his inaccuracy on things, you know, he missed a couple passes that were really crucial. That you know, he, you know, he, he played. I know you guys are way too young to remember. He, he plays like Joe Cap of the old Minnesota Vikings plays. He's like a linebacker playing quarterback. I mean, he's <laughs> right. tough and he runs really well and he throws it okay, but you know he'll miss some throws that he really really needs to make. But he's like Tim um, Tebow, but he's probably not quite yeah, as talented know, and he doesn't he, have as much talent around him as Tim ex- Tebow does. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that that's that's a that's a better that's an example of your listeners can relate to that we got a couple old, older guys we got a couple older okay guys. good well they, they, you don't have they don't have to google joe cap to find out what it's by the way it's k-a-p-p if you got to google anyway but again you can't say that texas is a surprise but um i think based on the way they started i mean they were looking at a one and five start hmm. you know yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. um, mm-hmm. losing to maryland you know, everybody said, oh, they're going to beat Tulsa. But, I mean, considering the, you know, USC, TCU, Kansas State, Oklahoma, um, you know, it's like, you know, they could have lost all of those games. And, you know, the fact that they've won three of the four that were really tough, you know, they're in pretty good shape. I don't, you know, the Texas OU game is always close, and I'm sure that it'll be – it should be really good, but you know, I'll, I'll be surprised if Texas has enough to um, keep it close. Because you know, I, Oklahoma is just—I mean, 
it's ridiculous with that team. And again, getting back to Mike Stoops, I don't care what people say about the defense. I, you know, I don't know that offense. I don't know if you keep them under 40 very often. I know Arnie right. did, but that throw that out the window. But the, the, the thing is, is that, you know, Murray is uh, throwing it as well to me as Mayfield did, which in Mayfield was the most accurate passer I think I've ever seen. And uh, M- Murray is just about the same. And we all know how much of a fast game breaking type runner he is. So yes. I don't know. It's, um, so I don't know. I don't, I, I guess I'll be, I'd say Texas is a surprise, but, um, uh, I guess my other thing will be, I'll be surprised if, you know, if Oklahoma is not, you know, the team that wins its fourth in a row. Um, let's, let's get it real quickly into a couple sure. of the teams on the other end here. Um, you know, K-State starting with them. Um, yep. I would say by far, I know among us probably, I would say fair to say guys, probably the most disappointing team for us this year. Um, you know, I, I definitely yeah. maybe a close second, possibly. Um, but in our, you know, in your opinion, we've had this discussion, and I know it's not the most popular topic, but I, I feel like it's time to really start having this talk. Is it time for Bill Snyder to let go? You know that I think it is time, and it's one of those deals where, kind of like what I said earlier, it's almost you get to the point where you think. You know, first of all, Bill Snyder's going to live forever, and second of all, he's his teams are going to be overachieving forever. And it, you know, it, it just you know, that sports ain't like that. You know, mm-hmm. there just isn't. You know, and I think the, the the thing that maybe troubles me the most is the fact that you know the the quarterback change that he made um, the week before the Texas game. I'm trying to think who do they play the week before Texas. Um, Oh Lord! You would ask uh, me well, to go back that far. West Virginia. West Virginia. Okay, yeah. Yeah, West. Yeah, okay. We're you know they're they're obviously, you know, the offense is going nowhere, and you know Thompson's playing quarterback, and Snyder tells the backup Delta no, to go yeah. in at quarterback, and the offensive coordinator, the quarterback coach Colin Klein, uh, Thompson, they don't know. It's like you know, I mean, now again, Snyder's a head coach; he can make decisions like that, but to not at least talk to the other guys. And then, you know, it seems like everybody on the staff thinks that Thompson gives them the best chance to win. Mm-hmm. And so he decides to start Delton against Texas <laughs> and they can't do anything. And so you kind of wonder, I mean, you know, Delton is the, is in Snyder's one with a lot of different type quarterbacks, but Delton is the guy that fits the mold of the of the Colin Kleins and the guys that have, you know, the the running quarterback who can mm-hmm. you know g- gain 120 yards and also throw it a little bit and you know mix in a running back that can you know gain some yards and you just kind of you know bleed the other team to death slowly and so I don't know if Snyder thought well Delton's the guy we got to go back to or but and again maybe you know me and everybody else is making too much of that, but it sounds like there's some palace intrigue there of the coaching staff assessing the quarterback situation one way and Snyder kind of going against their assessment and going the other way. And if they were winning, it wouldn't matter. But, you know, I mean, and if Thompson had started against Texas, who knows, maybe they would have won the game, but you know, uh, it's, it's just one of those deals that, you know, like anything else, 
when you're expected to be pretty decent and you've played, you know, three, um, you know, pretty tough teams. And, you know, I mean, they got blown out by Mississippi State. They got blown up by West Virginia. You know, Texas, who they had beaten forever, comes into Manhattan and beats them. It, that's when everybody starts wondering what the heck's wrong. And, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, if, if they have a losing season, if they don't make a bowl game, maybe he'll decide to step down. But as you all are, are aware and everybody else is aware, uh, he's going to fight like hell to try to get his son the job. Right. And the AD doesn't want to go that way. You know, who knows? So, that you know, it's there's potential there for a very – messy situation mm-hmm. coming up so uh but I, you know i i have the utmost respect for for the man i think he's a hell of a coach and i think he should be able to make his own decision uh, as to whether or not he keeps coaching but um the the fact is is you guys are right i think it, it's it's worthwhile to at least ask the question uh and two you know the things i was kind of pointing to too that i think I don't know, you start to kind of look and build a case on this, and you've been around long enough and been around him long enough that you can you really attest to this. And there's some things that seem out of character for him. Um, you know, for instance, you know, the, for to us – None of we all think the same thing. It shouldn't be Delton. You know, I, I don't. Del, yeah. they just they, he doesn't give them the best chance to win, and his defiance on that. And then, you know, just some of the stuff that, like for instance, the comment he made the other day after the game. I don't remember the exact right. quote, but something like, "I can't win with a team that can can't get six inches." Yeah. You know that that just seems so out of character for a man who's just you know keeping in the program all about family, give yep. the same stoic leader all the time. You know, just your your thoughts on that. Do you see some of that stuff and think, hmm, something's a little off here? Yeah, that's that's potentially it. But you know, uh, you know, kind of on the other hand, with that, I I might point that out as, you know, maybe just him being um, a human being who got frustrated because mm-hmm. he had called a quarterback sneak on six inches, and the quarterback Thompson audible out of it into. Uh, if it wasn't for that Penn State end of game play, uh, <laughs> Kansas State would have the worst play of the season. Uh, amen. Because he audibly <laughs> into a pitch, you know, and you know at least he was under center. Thank God, because if if I see every time I see a shotgun formation on fourth and inches, I want to throw a brick through the television. But anyway, <laughs> that, the the bottom line is is that you know I think the genesis for that comment was. We were going to try to quarterback sneak it, and I think you guys would agree. I've always said, it. if you can't get six inches, you're not going to win the game. Mm-hmm. That's true. And if you, if you go up with a quarterback sneak and they stonewall you and you don't get it, fine. Hey, they're the better team. Let's get ready for next week. And the fact is, is that instead of going up to the line and saying, okay, it's us against them, quarterback sneak, we need six inches, let's do it. For whatever reason, apparently Thompson audible into the pitch and he gets blown up, and that's it. Now, they weren't going to win the game anyway, probably. But, you know, his frustration probably wasn't the fact of, look, this is the play we call. This is how we, you know, this is how we prove that we are a good football team. Even if we lose the game, we say, look, we need six inches. We're going to get six inches, and let's go from there to, you know, changing the play call and not having confidence in whatever we call what, what I mean, there, there's a lot of ways you can, you know, slice that loaf of bread. But, yeah, that was definitely out of character for him. And he, you know, and he 
went back and said, Hey, I should have said that blah, blah, blah. But I think that was just maybe the frustration of, you know, this season's going down the tubes and, you know, even a great coach sometimes, you know, you can't stop those kind of things. I don't think they have near enough playmakers on the perimeter as far as guys. I mean, they're, you know, how many times have they had guys that, you know, were, uh, you know, the Tyler Lockett types that could, you know, they get them open one-on-one and throw up, you know, they'd be running you to death and all of a sudden they play action and you go 60 yards. Uh-huh. And I don't see that many, I don't see them being able to do that or having done that yet. So, yeah, I don't know. And, you know, there's a new offensive coordinator who's never called plays before. And there's a lot of things going into it. And I think a lot of times we just assume, well, this guy knows football. He's going to be an offensive coordinator. But when you got a guy that had done it for years and in a demo who kind of knew, you know, how things worked, and then you get a new guy in there and sometimes it doesn't work. I mean, that guy may be, you know, punching above his weight. Uh, he may not be a good enough offensive coordinator. So there a lot of factors go into it and um you know sometimes i think a a coach or a team wake up in the middle of the season and realize holy crap (laughs) we're in trouble here guys and we can't fix this right now speaking of being in trouble so (laughs) moving north from where we're at right now we're gonna go to uh to lawrence you have all all kinds of uh, trouble with the uh, jayhawks right now what yep. do you make of their current quarterback situation? You know, they, they started the season with yeah. Peyton Bender. Then they went a little bit to Miles Kendrick just in, in kind of a supplemental package. But it, it really seemed like the offense really responded when they went to Carter Stanley against Oklahoma State yeah. this past weekend. If you're David Beatty, do you go back to Bender or do you stay and, and kind of ride the hot hand with Carter Stanley? Well, that, that's a great question. I don't know. I, you just made me think about it. Somebody needs to um, – I don't know how far you go back. Maybe go back to the Charlie Weiser. I I wonder how many quarterbacks Kansas has used in the last Whoa. six years. It's probably. Mm. I mean, it seems like every year they they at least have run out three different quarterbacks. Yeah. You know, and not and not just because of injuries. It's like, you know, it's like they can't um, decide who's better. Or, yeah, it's just, musical yeah. chairs. Yeah, mm-hmm. or if somebody has a good game and then he, you know, they lose. Guy has a good game. He starts the next game. He doesn't play well. They lose. Well, let's try this guy. You know, he does okay. They lose. Well, let's go back to the other. You know, I mean, it's yeah. The Dane Chris transfer. Everybody thought he yeah. was going to be really good. You know, because well, yeah. of who he was, and, and and that didn't work the, out. The uh, uh, Willis, the kid that transferred to Virginia Tech. I mean, he started and won for Virginia Tech last week. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> yeah. you know, and the uh, Cozart. You know, he he didn't play that much at Boise State, but he went out there and at least contributed to a a, a really nice winning team. <laughs> And he couldn't get anything done at Kansas. So yeah, it, it's a weird. It's almost like the the quarterback position is um, on top of an Indian burial ground or something. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like it's it's like it's jinxed to where you know uh, nothing works. So yeah, I, you know, I don't know. The, you know the the fact that they've got to a two and one start was you know that was amazing considering they lost the opener. Um, I you know I don't think they can win another game i you know i mean frankly despite getting blown out baylor looked pretty pretty good against oklahoma particularly you know they've got a again a pretty potent offense it looks like um so i you know maybe they can you know they might be able to beat iowa state although i still think iowa state's a really solid team so i you know i don't think you know kansas is probably going to go two and ten 
<clears throat> and the you know, the new athletic director Jeff Long is going to have to make a decision. Hey, are we going to you know tear it down again and you know start over? Um, you know, Beatty at least now has a reasonable FBS roster to work with, mm-hmm. um, and you know they, they they have some talent and some playmakers. And you know he's an offensive guy. I I don't know what the deal is with the quarterbacks. You know if you know maybe he should you know say okay this is our guy now with with Stanley and, and run with it and see what happens. And even if he has some bad games, I mean I I don't think a quarterback can really progress until he has some bad games that he can go back and look at the tape and say yep okay that's I screwed that up. yeah that was a bad you know what did I throw that for you know. To where he can actually look at it and say, "Okay, uh, I see where I screwed up. Let me go try and fix it this week." Well, there's also and, something to be said for too, you know, not having that short leash. I mean, le- knowing that he's not yeah, looking over his shoulder sure. the whole time, that yep. he can go do that and be okay. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you, you I mean, you're not going to play. You're not going to play perfect, and you know, and it's, you know, <clears throat> it's not all. You know, the Kansas hasn't lost all these games over the last three or four years because of the quarterback. You know, that, that's not why they're losing these games. Now, until they, the only way they're going to get to where they can compete and win in the Big 12 is to develop a quarterback that can, you know, like, you know, I mean, look at Texas Tech. I mean, you know, Alan Bowman, who the hell is that guy? I mean, all of a sudden now, he, he, I mean, really, and, you know, um, maybe, I don't know, maybe Texas just needs to, or maybe Kansas needs to hire Cliff Kingsbury. I don't know. But, uh, you know, the thing is, is that most, you know, most teams are able to, you know, replace their quarterbacks. And, you know, Kansas hasn't found a quarterback that they can replace. You know, I mean, <laughs> they've never had to, you know, it's not like, oh, this guy was pretty good for two years. I mean, it, it is. And I don't know how much that had, has to do with recruiting. If the guys that they recruit look at it and say, geez, you know, if I come in there, maybe I do win the, the starting job as a redshirt freshman how long is it going to last? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, that's a very interesting uh, questioning line there. Just of you know, is that you know, is that maybe one of the problems? But yeah, I, I honestly don't know. But again, you know, I, I think it's a lot better to just say, look, here's our quarterback. He's going to play the rest of the year unless he gets hurt. And then let's see if we can fix some of these other problems we got and just not worry about who the, you know, it's like, Hey, you're a quarterback, go get them. Let's see what happens. Let's see if we can, you know, plug up some of these other holes. Lastly, looking at you sure. know, Baylor last week uh, or last Saturday, you know, real quickly at the end of that game, Charlie Brewer took a beating in mm-hmm. that game in that fourth yep. quarter. Um, at one point, you know, Oklahoma had pretty much – once Baylor put up about 23 points, I think it was starting to get into the fourth quarter. Oklahoma started to pull some of its starters and play more backups. And I think we're kind of saying, okay, we're going to back off a little bit here. Right. And, and Baylor just continued to go out there and try to throw it all over the yard. And you even heard Mike Stoops in the postgame interview talk about, well – you know, they you know, he made some kind of joke about, I guess they didn't want to leave Norman. You know, they kept going out there and throwing. So I yep. basically just said, hey, we're just going to keep coming after you then. Um, and he really took a beating in that because of it, mainly in the fourth quarter. Do you right. feel like they should have gotten him out of there? I mean, that that was kind of a bad deal for him. They couldn't yeah, protect him, I, obviously. Yeah, and, and, you know, that's that's one of those things, I mean, with <clears throat> particularly with, um, you know, what Baylor has um, gone through recently with, 
you know, all the crap down there with uh, the problems with the program mm-hmm. and, and, you know, and rule coming in and basically, you know, trying to build it from square one, you know, offensive line depth is something that <clears throat> few teams really have. I mean, maybe they've got, you know, they've got the numbers, but they got a bunch of guys that maybe really can't play. Um, and, you know, if you're running the kind of offense Baylor's running and I, didn't look at the box score. I don't know how many plays they ran, but I'm sure it was probably had to be up in the eighties or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, you run that many plays, you're up against a really tough front four or front six, seven, whatever for Oklahoma. That's going to come after the quarterback. Um, and in the fourth quarter, you're going to be wore down. And there's no doubt about it. Now I, you know, the, I, they're probably lucky that Brewer didn't get hurt. Like Bowman got hurt as far as a collapsed lung. And I know that Matt rule got a, unsportsmanlike penalty for being upset about the hit but mm-hmm. yeah, it was a clean he, it was a clean hit and i i don't really have that much of a problem it's kind of like what we were talking about with the kansas quarterback situation i mean <clears throat> baylor has kind of played around with their quarterbacks but um you know brewer looks like he's the guy that needs to be the starter yes. and even if it's in a game where um you know you're going up the uh, up against the other team's backups you're still playing oklahoma I think it's valuable to get the snaps. You're kind of rolling the dice. I mean, you know, he, he could, that, that hit could have, you know, he could have knocked him out for the year. I mean, if for some reason the guy comes in a little bit lower and his, you know, his knee is planted and it happens to give way and he blows an ACL, then, you know, there, but, you know, you, you can't really play defensive. I think it was good that they just said, look, we're going to, we're going to keep you out there, get more experience the other thing is, I don't know if they had backup offensive linemen in at that time, but again, if you're going to build depth, it's like, guys, you know, go out there and play. They got their backups in maybe, but you got to learn how to block these guys regardless. Um, you know, go get some experience. And, you know, the I mean, the option is you just go out there and say, we're down 30, we're just going to kneel down three times and punt. Um, I don't think that's, <clears throat> you know, I don't think that would go over very well. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't think people want to just see you totally give up. So um, they probably got like, I, I really don't have a problem with them trying to get Brewer as many snaps as he can and just get, get him as much experience as possible. All right, Wendell, um, you know, real quickly, since you're not going to be on with us for our previous, this is our review show we do every, every Monday, uh, sure. throw out your pick for Texas, Oklahoma this week. What kind of, what do you think goes down there? I think it's probably going to be uh, <clears throat> probably maybe within a touchdown. Like I said, I Ellinger played really well in the game last year, and I think that the – I'm not big on point spreads, but I think Texas has covered the spread almost every year. And, you know, they've obviously won a couple games recently, and they won a couple games under Charlie Strong when obviously <clears throat> they probably weren't the better team. Um, <clears throat> and it's, you know, it's – it's the game every year. It's a rivalry game. It's a neutral side. It's the stuff everybody knows about that game. So <clears throat> there ain't no way in H-E double hockey sticks that you can figure out what the heck is going to happen. So I don't know who's going to win. I'm terrible at picking winners, losers, whatever. I just think it's probably going to be a close game. Now, I'm not really sure um, – I probably have a man crush on Kyler Murray. I'm sorry. I just, I, 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 no, you're big I enough just, to admit it. Well, 
Because, I mean, watching the guy, in, in, you know, our son went to UT and we actually got into an argument a couple of weeks ago about whether Lincoln Riley is a genius or not. And I was thinking, you look at the offensive stuff they run and the way they get guys open and the pass patterns. And then I look at Texas some weeks and Texas is like, they're, you know, they never have anybody get open. It's like, do they even run pass patterns in Texas? I mean, it, it's like, I mean. I know what you're saying. They, if you watch yeah, it, it does you know, look very complacent yeah, and not thought it, out it, very well. Yeah, and it's like they've got a lot of good, you know, they've got good mm-hmm. receivers. And it's like, wait a minute, is there no, can you not run like some sort of combination route between Humphrey and Johnson and get mm. one of those big guys open or whatever? And you look at Oklahoma and it's just like, you know, he's throwing the guys. It's assault just ten, all over the there's field. There's nobody yeah. within 10 yards of him. And it's like, how'd they, how'd they do that? That doesn't make any sense. This guy, you know, it's like, so that's the thing that, you know, hopefully we're going to get this for the next 10 years, but Herman against Riley, particularly once Herman gets the guy, you know, when he gets that program where it's should be, you know, and as long as these two guys stay there, I think this is just going to be, you know, it's going to be a great, great game every year uh, because of those two guys. Cause I think Herman's, pretty smart too i wouldn't put him in the genius category yet but the fact is is that you know it could be a really good game i just don't think texas has the firepower to really you know if oklahoma unless texas's defense can come up with three or four turnovers and flip the field or maybe get a special team score like they did last week against k-state um if it's a quote-unquote normal ball game where there's not a lot of freaky you know Mm -hmm. freaky things happening I just don't think Texas is Texas can keep up, you know, on the scoreboard because I think Oklahoma is going to put up. If they don't, they're going to put up at least I don't know thirty five, maybe more. Um, and I don't know if Texas can can match that. So that's my wimpy prediction. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sir. Well, thank you very much. Real quickly, uh, would you like to share where people can follow you on Twitter and some of the websites where yes. you, they can find your work at? Yep. That'd be great. I'll tell you. I have the worst Twitter handle ever. It's at. It is kind of confusing. Yeah. It well, it's the initials for. It's my initials, my son's initials, my wife's initials. Oh, so W B B B P B. When I left the Big Twelve, I didn't have a Twitter handle. I, I had, you know, it's like I, I don't know if any of you guys have ever actually been fired, but I'd never been fired in my life, <laughs> and I was sitting there at home that afternoon and saying, "Well, I got to get on Twitter." And obviously I was not thinking with anything, uh, the brain cells were not working. And instead of trying to pick a handle that was anywhere close to being clever, I just kind of panicked and said, well, I'll just use our initials. So nobody knows what the hell it means. And it doesn't mean anything other than family initials. And so that's it at WBBBPB. So that's that's that. Uh, like I said, I write for the Open Man, uh, Open Man the Open Man dot com. Um, a friend of mine that works out in California runs it, and it's it's kind of a basketball site, hence its name, the Open Man. But mm-hmm. he does a lot of college football. He covers a lot of USC, uh, UCLA uh, games out there, and so he's been kind enough to let me write for him and get a few bucks that way. And like I said, I'll be uh, Dave Campbell's Texas football. When the basketball site gets up, I'll be writing there. So, uh, you know, otherwise just do a Google search for my name and find out what, uh, 
what drinking games I was involved in when I was in high school. <laughs> All right, Wendell. political comment. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I caught it. <laughs> uh, we appreciate that, Wendell. Uh, we'll try to get you back on here pretty soon. Maybe we can get you on after Texas OU or something like that. That'd be great. I have no problem doing that. Uh, I, I I gave you fifty minutes of uh, blah blah blah. So uh, hey, we love it. We'll take fifty minutes of that anytime. Well, I appreciate you guys thinking about me and having me on and uh, talk to you whenever we get a chance again. All right. All right thank thanks. you, sir. Take care, guys. Bye. You too.